five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything to do with the Vancouver Titans. I am Chris at Lightforce, joined virtually by Sam and another Sam Chan in Omni at Omnistrike. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, hello. Good evening, or good day, depending on if you're listening or just recording this episode, which is just us three. (laughs) (laughs) There was so much build-up, and then you just kind of ran out of steam. Dudes, it's uh, it's it's been a weekend. Say oh, that. definitely, definitely. Oh my god, yeah. Um, but but yeah, like, I mean, it, it's been on my mind, Omni. I know it's on your mind, Chris. Maybe a little bit less so, but but I'm gonna hijack this episode and talk about basketball again. <laughs> so so you guys can mute it if you want, but but it's heavy on my heart. So I wanted to spend a couple seconds, um, just you know, kind of talking about current events uh kobe bryant um and and it's really funny because cat was actually the one who broke the news to me when when she tagged me on discord um and 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 i kind of got the message and i was shocked and and a lot of people a few people especially those not into basketball asked me you know why why is this such a big deal because you know in all honesty and not not to to make light people people die all the time um and and i kind of want to first point out i'm not here to to deify kobe uh he 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 was a man who definitely made lots of mistakes. He wronged quite a few people. Uh, that's part of his legacy. You can Google it. I'm not you know I'm not like a Kobe stan or a Kobe defender or anything like that. Um, but at the same time, for so many kids, you know, growing up in the late '90s, 2000s, uh, Kobe was synonymous with with perseverance and, and passion. And and you know, part of it was brand marketing. There's the Mamba mentality stuff, but it, it kind of worked and it built a lot of positivity. Um, it wasn't just fandom, right? In, in fact, because you know, Alex, Alex cheers for the Suns, uh, a team that Kobe uh, regularly <laughs> destroyed. I cheered Oof. for Portland, another team that Kobe regularly destroyed. Um, but but it, it, it's you know, it affected personally me a lot more than I, I thought it would. Yeah, and and I think I think it's just because of his example, you know, putting a leather ball in a basket. Like a lot of kids, I and now you know they're adults now. Mm-hmm. Um, they built their own self-esteem, their self-confidence, knowing as they put their best forward forward, they could achieve something that's bigger than their circumstances. Um, I think why it's such a big deal and kind of trying to explain it to to people that are not sports fans is that Kobe kind of made working hard cool. Yeah. Um, and that's why he's your favorite player's favorite player. And I don't just mean in basketball, you can look at any corner of the internet, you're gonna find entrepreneurs, hockey players, esports players who who used him as inspiration. Um, and, and his basketball career was just what I kind of considered like the, the first act of, of his life. And, and I think what really hit home for me and what's made the last couple of days kind of emotional was I think, and I feel like he was just kind of starting to understand the, the tip of the iceberg and, you know, how to use the, his platform to, to, for good. Um, he started giving back to, to, to the game that kind of gave him so much. And he mentored like so many young players now are, are, are starting to pour out both in, in basketball, but other in sports and in business too. Um, and, and instead of, you know, being like an angry retired old athlete, like so many 
people before him. He started kind of being an encouraging. Um, at the same time, he, he, you know, he poured his heart out into his daughters and his family. And it just kind of looked like, you know, he, he was figuring it out and just snap of a finger, like nine lives are, are just gone just like that. So it's, it's tough. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm rambling on here, but, yeah. but it's, it's just what's on my mind, right? I don't know, I, if Alex, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, definitely. Like I won't touch upon why Kobe is revered as he was. Cause you definitely hit the nail on the head there. I just want to speak a little bit on why is it so different from any other, like say a musician's death or, or like an artist's death, not to undermine what that means. But I think like, just, just to clarify the difference here, when you get to watch a movie or listen to a record, there's a lot of work that's been put there, but you, you don't really see that. You only see the final product while us as sports fans or even as esports fans, uh, there are two differences that are key in here. Uh, one is that you get to see them not only succeed, but fail a lot. So you are, um, you know, you're, you're not seeing something that's filtered that much. I, I guess it is kind of a production. The NBA, Overwatch League, they're all a business and, and a show. But in a way, it's more raw and, un, and unfiltered. And the second part being that we are, as a fan, as fans, are also kind of tied emotionally to the success and the failure of these uh, athletes. And that's why like, you're more emotionally attached to the journey, so to speak. So you always associate uh, when the Lakers beat your team or when they won a championship with stuff that happened in your own life. And and that's not very like similar maybe to some, Oh, when you watch the movie and, and and maybe with music, it's more like that. There's, (laughs) there is some emotional attachment, but you get what I'm saying here. Obviously you can uh, nitpick at that, but at least to me, that what makes it so, so much different. Yeah. And so like, as we're like doing rankings and stuff and to, to kind of draw this back, back to the Titans to overwatch, um as we start the season i just kind of want to say like let's make sure that we have fun this season let's be kind to each right. other not just as titans fans but but as as overwatch fans as, as a community like we're going to debate rosters we're going to win some games we're going to probably lose a couple games and we're going to make fun of the defiant um but we're <laughs> life's too short for for twitter fights and, and toxicity so so this is kind of me you know putting a stand in like let's do our part and make this a positive season guys Agreed. I, I think if there's one thing I can add, um, you know, hug your friends, hug your family, reach out to people you haven't, you know, reached out to because, you know, life itself is fleeting, all things considered. Um, I shared some of the, uh, you know, troubles uh, that I went through last summer when I when I lost a good friend of mine. And while I, I can't relate um, to the same respect, uh, Sam and, and Ani, to, of, of Kobe's passing, um, he is a father who, you know, has been torn away from his, his family. I mean, tragically, one of his daughters uh, passed away and that was just two of the, of the nine. And it's, it is a tragic situation and it's not to suggest that this might, you know, not happen to anyone. We would never want that to occur. Don't take those things for granted. Um, one thing I do every day, every night, I get a hug and I get a smooch from my ba- uh, my daughter, baby force. And that, that is something I do because I don't know when the last time might be. And I mean, again, I'm not looking to, to, to be more of it. It's just something I do because you know what? Small things like that are, are what's really uh, important. But back to the podcast and the <laughs> fact that, 
you know, you did tune in to, to hear about the Overwatch League and the Vancouver Titans. Uh, this is our power rankings episode. We are going to get to our power rankings powered by more science. Like we, we fired up all the algorithms. We used like everything that we could possibly think to, to put our, our rankings into the machine and spit out what will be the list. So we'll get to that a little bit later in the episode. Before that, we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit about the Vancouver Titans. We're Fired up that uh, old uh, hard-on collider as well. Yeah, that's right. Hadron, Hadron. I even made notes this year, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you know Sam's taking it seriously. Uh, there's some news in the Overwatch League we'll touch on. And uh, yeah, we've got a review. We'll share that all. But before, let's uh, go straight to the payload. Moving the payload! Join me! So podcast lore states... All big news breaks the day after we record. Agreed? It's um, been happening so often that you cannot really argue. Pretty much expecting the biggest news to drop as people are listening to this right now, so... I mean, we even sort of were talking with uh, with Tristan, uh, the uh, the guy behind uh, Vancouver Titans Social in uh, Titans Court about it. I had said, hey, you can share stuff with me. And he's like, nope, lips are sealed. Check in on social tomorrow, which is literally the shot across the proverbial <sighs> bow because he knows that we are recording tonight. So, hey, all this great news that you're going to learn about the Vancouver Titans, you're going to learn tomorrow because apparently, as far as we are the premier source, everything to do with the Vancouver Titans. The Vancouver Titans are now actually becoming the premier source, which is a good thing. <laughs> it is not a bad thing that they are actually going to be the source for their own news. But what has happened since the last episode? Well, the Vancouver Titans are now here in Vancouver. Now, if you listen to an episode two weeks ago, I had an interview with Alfred. So this should be no surprise that the Titans would be here the week of the 27th. That's this week. Hmm. The Vancouver Titans are hosting a game and greet at the sports bar at Rogers Arena. Uh, it's uh, 12 p.m. Saturday. Tickets are free. I'm not entirely sure if there is a, a capacity limit to the number of tickets, but uh, it's a meet and greet and get things autographed. Uh, the game and greet leads me to believe they'll have some computers set up or something set up so that you can uh, play maybe some of the Titans. We're going to be there. Uh, in fact, our hope is that we'll be able to record uh, a segment for the podcast there just sorting out the logistical details and potentially get a guest or two on uh, on the podcast i think it'd be pretty awesome but i think this is you know not only one our power rankings indicative of the start of the season but now that the titans are in town things are feeling more real mm-hmm i'm i'm i i, I, I paused because i was thinking are are, are people going to get to play us too <laughs> like that was literally what was going through my mind <laughs> yeah they'll they'll try the three of us out so we got we got omni on on hanzo that's guaranteed i'll be on reinhardt um uh, although oh, you've been all- playing uh some ryan recently yeah i've been doing my best uh light force imitation i figured like if if i walked around with like the titan skin like would people mistake you as me oh man and so far no <laughs> jolt on bind your right click uh, I've been doing a lot of flying off cliffs I gotcha um, it's pretty fun yeah. but uh, it is possible maybe maybe you listening to this podcast will come out and get to play us from RSP uh, who knows I mean again it, the details are actually a little sparse on the game side of the game and greet uh, but it's you know something I feel you need to point out they could have just said meet and greet but they said no game and greet 
Could be uh, just rock, paper, scissors too. Yeah, we have video of that somewhere. Mm. Saving the, it for a rainy day. The other news that uh, broke just after we uh, went live last week was a contest uh, put on by the Vancouver Titans sponsored by Arazzi. Eh. <laughs> we need to get someone on there from Arazzi or Arachi or whatever it is just so that they can pronounce the name correctly. But Arazzi Chairs, uh, the contest is to have your play reviewed by the Vancouver Titans. And I, I asked this on social, but for those that might not have uh, follow us on social for some reason or uh, happen to miss it, which of the three of us, Omni, Sam, or myself, do you feel needs the most help and would be the best to win this contest? I, I'm going to say it has to be, uh, well, okay. I, I, I mean, I have two, two sides of this coin. One, Omni, because he's probably out of the three of us, the close to actually being good. <laughs> yes. And then I, I would actually say Sam on the other side, not so much because I feel that I am better than Sam, but Sam's coming from the world of console. And so he's new to PC. <laughs> I would say he's better than me. <laughs> you can put that on the record. But uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily feel that I would need my play to be reviewed. That's not because I'm, I'm good. It's because I'm beyond salvation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually kind of curious, like for, for folks that if, if you've sent in a VOD, I, I'm really curious, just let us know in Discord. Like, are you guys commentating on your play that you're sending in? Is it just like a raw clip? Or are you just doing highlights? Like, like I, I, I generally think there's some people that are sending in clips to, to become better, right? Like they're yeah, actually looking for, like, for a tip. So, so how does that kind of work? Normally when like streamers do VOD reviews, they just ask to watch a full recording without any commentators so, yeah. or like without any commenting, unless it's like your in-game, you know, voice comms and, and then, and then they can also uh, review how you communicate to your team. So it yeah. should be unfiltered uh, as unfiltered as you can. Yeah, because a lot of my my in game comms is hey 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 which which button is emote? Yeah, that's it, that's it. Why does he keep asking for healing? Why does he keep asking for healing? It's mystery I pressed heroes. The button, I want to emote. Where are the Joy Cons on this keyboard? <laughs> Do you know how awesome it would be for them to be reviewing me on Reinhardt? They'll be like, okay, why is Reinhardt flanking? Why is he charging up the stairs? Wow. Oh, Light Force. Yeah, well, that's pretty much how it would be. Well, for a team that had used to have Bumper, it wouldn't be as weird. Yeah, but Bumper did it with style. I uh, I do it with sass. Well, we all start somewhere. But that's know. what I mean. Like, I think you, you have to have the in-game comms in there because that gives it context and makes it interesting as opposed to, like, you know, Silent Hill and Reinhardt's running off the, the, the side. <laughs> But no, Sam, you, you bring up a good point. I'm actually also curious uh, who's uh, sent the VOD in and uh, what it is that you did send in. Was it a, a series of, of characters that you, you play or was it your main? And, you know, what was the length? All, all very important information to know. Mm-hmm. The other item uh, that I thought to, to share, and again, this is all stuff that like broke, you know, five minutes after we, we pushed out an episode. But uh, the uh, New Jersey whatnot, all that uh, had come out. We talked a little bit on the last episode. Well, uh, today, the new Titans threads were available for pre-order. The price is up there. Um, now, for those of you who live in the United States, you'd be like, ah, you know what, 90 bucks, not bad. 
Well, factor in shipping, factor in exchange rate, factor in the potential of uh, duties and the guarantee of tax. And here, not landed, just simply getting it here, you're spending at minimum of $150 Canadian. And the problem is, is that $150 doesn't guarantee that it's covering the full cost of duties that might be assessed. So at $150 Canadian, is it fair for me to suggest that uh, the three of us might need to go and take out a personal loan to, <laughs> to pick one of those jerseys up? I've already made a call to RBC. Look at my credit score. This guy eat less fast food. You know, I, I, and I was I was thinking about it. so then you know I'm gonna go and look at like well, how much are Canucks jerseys? So a a Canucks jersey, essentially a replica jersey, but a Canucks jersey is 150. dollars The difference, however, is that Canucks jersey, the replica looks for the most part, no different than a, an authentic jersey that you would be getting. And there are differences, but, you know, it looks essentially the same. It's, it's got just, the, you know, the print on the back. You've got a right. player name. you got the number. Right. you got the full meal deal. I kind of feel that we're getting less than that when we look yeah. at the Overwatch League jerseys. Probably the, the, the players are going to wear uh, jerseys that have their names too, and we'll get a version of that as well that will be even pricier. So... But for me personally, it all comes down to the quality. Last year, I was ready to, you know, throw away that money and like get a jersey. But when when repor- reports uh, started to come in about like misspellings, weird uh, situations with the black on black printing and weird colors, I kind of backed out. So for me, I'll just hold on until I see people actually getting their. Uh, jerseys and if they really match what what is advertised and i and i honestly truly like uh the designs especially for that uh blue jersey and uh i will probably be getting no love for the black i don't like the font for the vancouver uh writing there it's very bland i don't know we in in in, uh rsp cord we found out and i we i mean schmidt schnorn found out the font i'm just trying to dig it up well, while you dig it up, a few things about uh, the Fanatics experience. If you happen to live in the United States, the promo right now is free shipping, so long as it's a U.S. order over $49. Let's just get to open a post box down there in, like, well, uh, in uh, Point Rogers. Robert, Roberts. Roberts, Roberts yeah. Well, so, I mean, I, yeah, I, I have had stuff go to Point Roberts, and I, I might, if I were to go and be motivated to purchase something, have it sent there and then take my chances when I cross the border and declare it. Um, <laughs> I find that, Just wear uh, it. <laughs> well, no, I declare everything. I have a nexus, so I can't actually mess around with that stuff. But when I declare everything, the person at the border makes the determination as to whether or not I'm coming in. When you get something by mail, I would say more often than not, you're getting taxed and dutied. And if you get taxed and dutied and there's a COD on that, then you're paying like a $10 fee or whatever it is to whomever is delivering yeah. uh, the item. So, I mean, it, it does add up. Now, if you go to but, Fanatics for, here in Canada, it directs you to the international store, which I believe has everything shipped out of the UK or something like that. And yeah. it currently says that you'll be getting that Vancouver Titans jersey shipped to you in approximately 60 to 75 days. <laughs> Listen, by that time, if you ordered that Fisher jersey, you might not even be on the roster anymore. <laughs> oh, that is nice. That's, and and that's you can harsh. solve that I- issue with, you know, the taxes and j- just relocate. 
and you've got your jersey. <laughs> yes, I relocated to Seattle because I'm a Vancouver Titans fan. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. But like I'm I'm okay with the price. I'm less okay with the black jersey, but I'm really upset that they hyped up, you know, January 20th, that's the date that we're going to announce it, and it's a 2-month pre-order. Mm, right. Like like this is basic like consumer behavior like you announce something we want it yesterday right (laughs) so if you're gonna hype something up then then like give it to us now or if you're not ready give it to us later or or if you were gonna do a pre-order this whole time why did we need to wait like two weeks for it to officially be announced to do a pre-order it's just it feels like too many steps to do to give them money like it just it and they're already in our bad books you know, the, and the struggle here is you have you have Staple, which I think is producing some 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 solid gear, whether it be the jerseys, the the streetwear, what have you. You then have Fanatics as the distribution source, who is the distribution source for pretty much every professional sports operation mm-hmm. in North America, um, and even some on the amateur side. It's unbelievable uh, how they have taken over. Uh, and uh, off the rails a little bit, they started out as a brick-and-mortar store. One store, and they're now some giant conglomerate that runs out of O's and can't spell Soman Sue correctly. Um, <laughs> the the pricing, so the price that you pay for the Vancouver Titans jerseys, as I mentioned, would be relatively similar to that of the Vancouver Canucks jersey. But based on last year's jersey, when I look at a Canucks jersey, the Canucks jersey in my mind, better quality, better product. I, I don't have this year's jersey yeah. to compare. So when I look at spending my money, I'm, I'm thinking, am I getting value? And I don't feel I, I would have last season on top of all the issues that, yeah. again, on the, you, you went and ran through. Um, there is going to be Titans gear, apparently, at the uh, Game and Greet this weekend. Uh, okay. As to what it will be, I don't know. I kind of think it'll be last year's gear. Uh, well, you're right. That that issue of waiting two months. You know what that reminded me of? Have you seen uh, Ronnie Chang's Netflix uh, comedy special? I have not. No. Uh, Sam, have you seen it? it? Bits and parts. Not, no, not about. Here, so. I want it yesterday. So that reminded yeah. me of that. <laughs> exactly, and and it's it's a trend. And later we're going to talk about, about about the big change about watching Overwatch this year. But it really feels like the league here's what I think happened. And let me preface this by saying this is purely opinion and not like this isn't like a source or anything like that or rumor just, just from what I see happening is that the staple deal came together late or late enough that, you know, the guys had to to make the jerseys have something that, that Jeff staple could actually put a stamp on it and, and be half happy right. with. Then they're then like, you know, when there's time to ship product, they're like, we got these 20 great jerseys. And then somebody's like, oh crap, you need away jerseys. So then they spend another week with the Gil Sands font. Shout out to Schmidt Storm for finding that font, um, making the away jerseys and just basically doing, doing like a, like a reverse color thing. Right. And then, and then they give it over to fanatics and fanatics is like, crap, I need three months to actually build this product. So, and, and that, that's what it feels like to me, right. Is that somebody started closing this deal way too late and now we're now the the buzz the excitement all of that is kind of wasted right mm-hmm. because like how cool would it be when when the season starts the league starts the watch parties around the world and people are in like the new jerseys 
right? But I don't feel like that's going to happen. And I feel like that's just a missed opportunity because, and, and, and I'm pointlessly blaming here, but, but it, it feels like somebody missed a deadline on this or a couple of deadlines. Well, regardless of missing deadlines or whatnot, but going back to your original point, the hype and the fact that people were buying into this is lost. It cools down. Um, it's no different than when you have money burning a hole in your pocket, but you're given an opportunity to think longer about the purchase. Mm-hmm. You're much less likely to pull the money out. It's it's mm-hmm. the buyer's remorse happening before you actually buy. So I think back to that to earlier point you raised, it is a missed opportunity for whatever reason it might be. The speculative reason that you might be right about uh, a late deal Probably. or you know, Probably not, but that's what it I, feels like. Yeah, I mean, we obviously we don't know, but like you're right, it does feel this way. It is a very late start to something that's quite critical. The season starts in just a couple of weeks' time. Mm-hmm. I think you brought up a good segue for us to go in the fray because there is some other big news that's going to impact the entire Overwatch League. So let's take a short break before going into the fray. Y'all have your YouTube accounts up to to speed because that's where we're watching the Overwatch League this season. And I, you know, okay, I'm not going to talk too much about uh, the Call of Duty League uh, on this podcast. But the fact that Activision Blizzard is bringing all of its properties over to YouTube, like they have a deal with Google where we're talking about Call of Duty, uh, Hearthstone, Overwatch League, uh, the world of Warcraft dungeons, I can't remember what the hell they call them, but like <laughs> all their essentially uh, broadcast properties are on YouTube. Well, okay, cool, fine. You know what? I actually, when I compare YouTube to Twitch, I think there are some pros in, in going over mm-hmm. to YouTube and Google is probably ponying up some serious cash to go in and, okay. and as you could see, I couldn't quite catch that because my phone went and is taking my word for it. Um, <laughs> it's the problem when I when they own my uh, my life. But Google <laughs> ponying up cash and uh, and Activision Blizzard benefited from it. But the Call of Duty League, why I bring that up, is that no one knew where to watch the matches that took place this weekend until hours before the first match. Right. And to your point earlier, Sam, about, wow, is this like sort of when the deal got signed? I don't know why you wouldn't announce something like this unless the deal got signed so late that it took that much time to dot the I's, cross the T's, vet the copy that you would then announce hours before the first match. Here's where we are. Come watch. Yeah, but I think that's like a testament to YouTube's power. Like everybody is on YouTube and, and Blizzard has been known to try and pull more casual viewership towards uh, its properties. 
So I think that will follow with uh, the Overwatch League. I mean, us hardcore fans will be there regardless, right? So uh, they're hoping to bring in some new uh, viewership towards that. And they have begun uh, ad campaigns on YouTube as well. Um, yeah, I've, I've watched some of the Call of Duty League. It was too bland for me. Uh, I couldn't like stand watching that <laughs> gray, brown palette, no colors. Everything's kind of the samey. Uh, uh, and I didn't really like the game itself, but I can definitely say that the bitrate and quality is much better on YouTube. Um, so that's a good thing. You can also do a normal pause and go to the bathroom should you need it <laughs> mid-match. So that's also a positive. That's such a positive. Oh, definitely. The only thing I'm concerned about a little bit is the absence of Twitch chat. Now, I know there's a lot of like valid <laughs> criticisms about what's going on there. And I'm, I'm not going to go down that rabbit's hole. But but I feel like a lot of the fun of, of seeing like a player pop off and see all those pog champs just overflowing over Twitch chat. I'm going to miss that a little bit. And and what's happening with all those bits that people have invested in all the drops, you know, that a lot of people were just like there for this. And, and it seems like they've commented on this and trying to figure out, I think Google has enough brain power to incorporate that, this, but it'll probably take a while. Yep. So those are my two cents. Yeah. I also watched some call of duty over the weekend. Uh, Did you like it? Uh, well, it didn't help that the surge, yeah, I watched that speaking, game too. weren't weren't very good, right. um, but I I think I can be a casual supporter. Sure, Overwatch <laughs> Overwatch will always be my first baby. So, will you, you purchase know. a ninety US dollar jersey of the search? Uh, no, uh, I got to save up for my Ruji Han jersey that I promised I would buy. True, true. true. <laughs> we uh, don't even know what the price of that will be. Yeah, Call of Duty League far too frenetic for me, and it's funny because. The hardcore fans want a certain view. The casual fans like me would prefer an entirely different view of the gameplay. And I don't know how they find the balance between the two. Mm-hmm. What I also find equally interesting, and I get this is the first season, and this weekend was the first matches to be shown. And they quite quite loudly said, we're going to experiment with all the crazy features we have available to us. But that's the type of thing you sort of do with something other than like the opening weekend. Yeah. I, have a, I have a crazy feature for them. Yeah. What Saturation. is it? <laughs> <laughs> it did, it did get a bit tough after a while. And, and I don't know the, the in-game skins for, for call of duty was just, it, it looks a little bit like my uncle on vacation with the backpack. <laughs> um, like, like that was actually like my train of thought. Like, I, I actually like the the Call of Duty jerseys and, and whatnot, but just right. the the skins itself, it just and the fact that everybody really looked the same as each other. Um, yeah, it just it just gave me a like weird vibe. Uh, it's a good game, but it doesn't translate well on the screen. Yeah, it's it? it's a little bit tough. Well, and they're one of the co- uh, comparisons that was getting dropped quite frequently was CS. I can follow CS. But I think it's because everyone sort of understands what's happening in CS, but with Call mm-hmm. of Duty, you have all these different modes. Uh, you've got, you know, different gear loadouts, different uh, um, score streaks, of which some are banned, but you can choose them and automatically lose because of it. Like, 
there's a whole lot of crazy that they need to sort of iron out or, or mm. sort out. Uh, I will, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. Hey, it's the first of everything. And I'm sure um, if I go back to, you know, Overwatch League when it started, there was a lot of changes that took place too. But so it'll happen. It's just, you would think Activision Blizzard would have learned from the Overwatch League experience and then try to apply that to, mm-hmm. to Call of Duty. But back to the switch to YouTube. Um, I know that there are many people out there that'll, that will say that the switch to YouTube is a sign of a league that is in trouble because everyone is on Twitch. You're right. There are a lot of eyes on Twitch, but if you look at the number of eyes on YouTube watching streamed content, YouTube is king. The problem is that no one generally goes to YouTube for live streaming. That's where Google mm. is really trying to get into the space which is why I believe Google making this play to get Activision Blizzard to bring everything over is because they see value in all of these esports properties. Google isn't about to make a bad investment for the sake of making a bad investment. Now, it may not play out. Well, we don't know. Time will tell. But I don't think we should all be so down on this deal. Mm-hmm. And I would just add on that that I, I do have have one source like noting, and it's been a long time coming that the the Twitch Blizzard partnership wasn't as merry as as the public eye would like to make it seem. Like it wasn't just like oh we couldn't resign with Twitch, so we're going to YouTube. Um, there there were you know signs of 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 dissatisfaction on on both parties. Um, so so this this could have been seen coming and and i think the other thing to note is like nobody knows that youtube is actually the number one music streamer period um Mm. and and people listen to music there more than more than on spotify or apple music or any of the other platforms so so like youtube is a massive platform um but yeah it's it's an underdog in in gaming so for sure time will tell but i i don't see this as a bad move i don't see it as a good move it's just a move and now i have one less app to have to deal with so that's cool we just don't know enough about this deal we don't know the money value the duration but there's also a point that they made that the entire infrastructure is going to the google cloud so i guess there's way more than just the streaming uh, for uh, Blizzard Activision in their transition to uh, Google. And they used uh, AWS, the Amazon platform before. So there's a big, big cooperation or partnership going on. Behind I think the scenes we need there. to bring Shronite on and talk about backend architecture. <laughs> Definitely. He, 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 you know, he's dual purpose, right? Talk <laughs> about the tech. And he's our business guy, Shronite, yep. uh, friend of the show. Uh, other things that are happening in the... Uh, Overwatch League. Uh, this just broke. Mickey retired. He's now a content creator for Envy. Uh, Omni and I were talking about this uh, before we hit record. And uh, Omni, you had said when you first read it, you thought that Mickey left uh, Dallas so that Envy could take his spot. Yeah, I totally misread that. <laughs> That's very confusing. <laughs> True. Uh, so that just uh, that just happened. I think you know, and this is not something that's going to to stop. We're going to see more players take a serious look at content creation and see that as the less stressful option to make mm-hmm. money doing what it is they love. I mean, not to suggest that it's a guarantee, but you know, there are there are many that have. I mean, Defran is a 
more recent examples, someone who said, yeah, I can, you know, I tried, I did this stressful, lots going on. I'm going to go and do what I'm more comfortable uh, with yeah. and, and content creation is it. So I think, you know, we will st- see this trend, uh, on the desk. So, uh, personnel side, uh, Zoe, she's going to the host desk. Uh, so that makes sense. Cause they pretty much had no hosts left. <laughs> So, so to be clear, she was on the host desk before, right? But she's now a host. But now she's now a host. She, a, well, yeah, uh, she's uh, like what Puckett or or, or right. Malik would she, be doing. She used to be on the desk, uh, like as a host, uh, season one, and then she transitioned to like those in between uh, segments in the, the match, like a hype and, person or yeah. something like that, hype, like hype Malik person? was, like okay. Malik was in a way. Uh, but now she's back. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to figure out all the all the positional names. You want to do a, a talent power rankings as well? Uh, uh, well, Zoe's at the top, and I don't know who else is a host. <laughs> Good rank. Yeah. Uh, Jaws is coming uh, into the Overwatch League. He'll be uh, Hex's new partner. Uh, so that uh, that is also news, and uh, we wait for Custa to leak all of the other uh, yeah. updates to personnel. As I just happens. poor leg day left behind as his partner got uh, pulled to tier one. Always well, skipping leg day. Well, <laughs> did you see leg day? Oh, that's a good meme. Tweets. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm reading into it, but he sounded somewhat taken aback, like like more of a wow, like didn't see it coming or, and we don't know what went on behind the scenes, but yeah, yeah he seemed bummed. Yeah. Yeah. Uncle Jeff, uh, he came out to say there will be no hero ban. Probably listened yeah. to our podcast and was like, Hmm, those guys have some points. Well, we know Jeff Kaplan is, you know, one of our, our, our best listeners. He listens yeah. to each episode two or three times, shares it with the entire development team. I'm surprised we haven't seen a blue post. Yeah, he's, um, a, he's a Patreon, right? Yeah. Why don't you write us a review, Jeff? <laughs> but uh, Uncle Jeff said no hero bands. Uh, and he went as far as saying it's not even something that has been a topic of conversation uh, recently. And, and when it has ever come up, it's quite clear that it takes the fun out of the game. Uh, <laughs> now, that then takes us back to, well, what are these developments that are going to be happening in the game sort of between now and Overwatch 2? Or is it Overwatch 2? Uh, who knows? But we'll obviously be the podcast that will tell you all about it once we know and one final thing before we get to our power rankings the ptr patch we talked about last week it's now live that is the patch that the overwatch league will start on with mccree the tank uh they didn't add his uh hp to the live oh patch. i did not see that i yeah. knew that they had pushed it out so mccree is not a tank but the fact that he can now pop his alt and like spin around yeah that's still in like that, that is, that is actually something I'm surprised they didn't do earlier. Yeah. It's so cool. I like it. You know, like you think about it when McCree pops his alt, you know, he's standing somewhere in like static form almost. So the fact that he can't adjust his, his view because his aim locks, you know, made him even tougher to actually, you know, pull off on the casual side and the pros, mm. uh, they can do it blindfolding and get a seven K cause they drop Bob too. But <laughs> the, uh, the fact that he's no longer locked is, is, is quite nice. Honestly, I tried to, to, to see the new McCree, but my PC Cree is so bad. I never got to the alt part. 
<laughs> Couldn't hit those bots in the training. So, uh, so map. The buff was kind of the same. <laughs> oh wow! See, this is why you go into classic QP, and hopefully, by you know an escort match where you're on defend and getting rolled, you'll have it at least once. Mm. Maybe. Got, but, got no uh, team though. That's it's the team's fault. First, there was the AKM the blade. Now it's the Sam Chan uh, Dead Eye. Yeah. <laughs> Sam's the guy who gets the 7K drop in Bob for sure. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to take a quick, quick, quick break. And then we're going to fire up the, the algorithm machine, the Hadron uh, Collider, and uh, <laughs> spit out all of our power rankings powered by science. Feel my power! So last season's power rankings, uh, we did it sort of a, as a lark. We We went through the three of us. Uh, spat out where we felt uh, teams would would uh, be positioned based on so many unknowns. I mean, had all the expansion teams where we simply were looking at the players that they had uh, had signed and wondered, well, you know, will they okay. they perform well? And then we looked at some of the existing teams and yeah. decided that okay, in the goats meta, here's how they'll they'll be. All things considered, our our sort of preseason power rankings. Uh, held up. I mean, we were off. On, on, I think we on were like few, but we were thirteenth. Yeah, like the uh, competitive Overwatch uh, Reddit uh, collected all of them, and and we did. We were top of the table, uh, which is a good thing. I mean, that means we did well. And uh, two, we were ahead of what you know people would tell us are some uh, professional casters and personalities who you would think know better because they have access that we would dream to have. And to us, it was a lot of, oh, I like the color of this team. Then I'll put him above this other team. Yeah, hey, like Sam. Speak for yourself. So we decided this year we would do much the same. But we now have a full season you know, under our belt here. We, we were able to go through and, and put together rankings that we felt were best representative of one the team going into the season based on all of the signings, the departures, the transition of meta, which we still don't have a complete answer on, though we sort of took that into consideration as to what we've been hearing as well as seeing on the, on the ladder. And we then used science, all the science. We science the heck out of this. Uh, if you have uh, seen Matt Damon, he sciences the heck out of everything. So <laughs> we're going to, you know, we're going to do the same thing uh, as he did in The Martian. Uh, hopefully not use uh, excrement to grow potatoes, which uh, I <laughs> understand are related to bananas. Anyhow, enough of all of that. So last season, what did we do? Well, we had uh, a series of tiers. So there were three classifications, the teams that were out of the playoffs, followed by the teams who were wildcard contenders, and then teams that we felt were locks to getting into the playoffs. We then had tier names structured so that the out of the playoffs tiers were reported for throwing GG easy and quote unquote upside. The wildcard uh, tiers were mediocre city and the pretenders and the playoff tiers were almost there and contenders contenders being the top three. We are using the same classifications. We're using the same tiers. We have the same 20 teams as we did last year and having fired up the machine who did we have at the bottom of the pile? Well, this this was tough. So there were two teams what reported a pile. for throwing. 
Those teams were the LA Valiant and the Boston Uprising. We've got the Boston Uprising at 20 and the LA Valiant at 19. What is clear is all of us had those teams in the bottom, and the only person who was out of sync was Omni, who had the Valiant below the Uprising, as Sam and I had the Uprising at the bottom. But ultimately, those two teams, we didn't see much of a future. Yes, those two have been reported for throwing. I think the the one note and Omni actually when we were kind of discussing up to this point, he made very strong argument for why the Valiant should be uh last. But like Omni mentioned earlier, this is by science, it's not just opinions, and I definitely liked the Valiant colors a little bit better. Uh <laughs> so there we go. Um but like the one thing that I noted when I was going through the teams and going through the rosters was like it was really interesting about the Valiant is the team is full of players that I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I watch competitive Overwatch pretty closely. I'd say more than the average viewer. I don't really watch contenders and, and obviously, you know, open div and all this stuff. Not, not at all. Um, but the weird thing is it's full of players. I don't know, but they only have four rookies. Hmm. So that's super strange to me is they're full of, you know, players who played an owl last year, but we never noticed. Yeah. I, I guess we've heard a lot from, from, you know, multiple sources, leaks and stuff like that, that they were going for a low budget uh, type of approach, the Valiant did. Boston were never like that different, but to me, and I'll preface all my rankings, like I did another, I I put a little bit more science on top of the science where I uh, ranked, uh, I, I basically gave a score to the tanks, the DPS and the healers on each team. And Boston, I kind of gave a three, three, and three. So it went from one to six. And the six is like the most epic elite level. And, and it goes down by uh, 0.5 uh, increments. And and Valiant got like a two, four, and two. So they actually have a pretty good DPS lineup with uh, a bit of depth and flexibility. But that depth and flexibility is kind of thrown out of the window when you look at their tanks and supports. Uh, so... The only thing I I can see going for the Valiant, despite me placing them last, is I think they're gonna play all the time like they they have nothing to lose, right? Because everybody's like looking down at you as probably a bottom feeder, and and they could sneak up on you if you're not careful enough. Because because we see a lot of times like teams that shouldn't lose to some certain teams, but they just like underestimate them, and and then they lose these matches. As for Boston, I kind of ranked them across the board three three three. Uh, I think. Mindbong is like the big pickup for that team. I remember hearing how uh, Hawk just went out to um, Yangbong, who was uh, sought after by a lot of other teams, and he just gave him an offer. And 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 uh, sought uh, sought after players. They just don't want to go through uh, different trial processes with other teams if they get that offer out of, like from the get go. And he just went along. But the problem is they don't have any other. Uh, great n- names out there. Nothing much, really. I mean, Munchkin and Color Hex might might have pop off potential and infusions. We saw some uh, good leadership skills from him. We might rally the team around him, uh, but oof, there's there's not much there to be optimistic about with both of these teams, like you said. I have nothing to add. You guys said it all. <laughs> and it's ironic how they both share almost the entire color pa- and the, like the same color palette. Boston yeah, it's, it's like, basically well. a flip them. <laughs> so speaking of flip the next tier is GG Easy. Now, it should be said that based on 
the potential for error. These next three teams are statistically tied. However, if we take the possibility of error out, uh, there is a definitive difference. And the statistic error is that, uh, you know, the skew of one out of three. So coming in at 18, we have the London Spitfire. Number 17 is the Paris Eternal. And the number 16 team is the Florida Mayhem. Uh, the uh, statistic for statistical amount of error has all three of them coming in at the 16 spot. The one that fell here is the London Spitfire. Like, considering where I think everyone had them last year to, where they are today, and arguably, I think we gave them more benefit of the doubt than we did to the Valiant or the Uprising, and potentially have them probably higher than they they probably should be. That said, Sam, you had the Spitfire elevated in the 13th spot. So I'm, I'm curious... How this came to be. So let's talk about the fire. The mayhem. Sam was the one who brought them down a little bit, and in the eternal, you had the eternal above uh, Sam as well. So you know, well, I'm just here, here? kind of breaking breaking the norms. And and (laughs) earlier today, we were just chatting that that Wolf had the same idea. He has the Spitfire ranked quite high too, but I I think it goes back to to how I looked at the rosters, like. Like there's some rosters and we'll get through them. They they did okay last year and they kept the same roster. So I don't really see any reason that they've just improved be- because they're year older. Like everybody got a year older. Um. So so I kind of docked mental points for that. But with with the Spitfire, it was they. First of all, I don't think you can be compare them to to anything from season one or season two because outside of Krillin, it's a completely brand new roster. Right. Um. And and they have some. I wouldn't say like top ranking rookies from contenders, but but some some players like from the the limited feedback that and, and I've already admitted I don't watch. Contenders, oh, they have, they have so. one, yeah, who's a rookie of the year candidate in Glister. Yeah, Glister. exactly. So so they they have some potential plays. So so when we're trying to predict the future ten months out, we we kind of got to look into the crystal ball a little bit and 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 play some bets. So so that's that was one of my bets, and we'll we'll see later where my other bet is. Yeah, for me, the Spitfire, uh, they have 10 rookies, so they might have a little bit of an upside there with Glister when he'll come in, and they have good uh, coaches there, apparently, although it's highly unlikely. See what I did there? <laughs> and if you haven't, it's because you don't know that they have players named although and, and highly on the, on that roster. And I can't blame you, really, because outside of Krillin and highly, they have 10 rookies. It's and, all babble, man. I've heard a lot of good things about J-Mac and Bernard, that they might be really good uh, up-and-comers as a tank uh, lineup. So uh, that might be a good thing. And, and uh, Shui, that guy is not even from Gen G. He's from Gen B. So a lot of unknowns uh, are coming in. Uh, again, hopefully uh, they're better than what we predict, but just looking at the teams above them i like i i cannot agree with Dude, if they're better than what them. i predicted <laughs> <laughs> you no. know hats off to them and i just have to add that shui is my favorite new name the name is amazing right yeah. shui. shui see i just want to say schwing but that's because i'm old enough to know of wayne's world <laughs> uh the last tier that's out of the playoffs what we call quote-unquote upside we have the Chengdu Hunters at 15, the Toronto Defiant at 14, and the Dallas Fuel at 13. Now, the Toronto Defiant, 
at 14 has everything to do with me. I ranked the Defiant in the 13 spot, not that much higher than where they landed, but both Sam and Omni had them in the 16 spot. Statistically, we actually had the Defiant come in at uh, at 15, but due to uh, other teams a little bit uh, weaker than them, uh, they got uh, elevated to 14. Now, why would I give the Defiant such a positive, and I use that word loosely because I'm pretty sure Defiant fans are like, WTF, you don't think our team will do well. They're good Canadian kids, and I had to give them some bonus points for that. <laughs> we don't do bias here. It's all facts. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, the fact is they've got good Canadian kids on their team. So The best how, Canadian kids. Well, yeah, like I can't. Well, just got to add muffin. I can't. Yeah, that might be a possibility through trade with the uprising looking to rebuild. I actually think there is some potential here for the Defiant to do middle of the pack well. Yeah. Like there is some upside when we, we have quote unquote upside as the tier. I actually think there's upside for this roster, but you know, I'm, I'd be naive to think that the roster wasn't built so that they could go and slap a Canadian flag on their team and market the hell out of it. Yeah. Well, before I talk about the define, are we going to say anything about like uh, Paris, Florida and Chengdu? Well, no, I gave you guys full opportunity. There. Oh, you just I talked didn't know about that the that's not the way it works. Come on. Well, do you, do you want to say why, you know, yeah, Florida and Paris and Chengdu are there? <laughs> yes. We're talking about the teams I, I, that are out of the playoffs. I, I know, I know, but I we did notes here. Okay. <laughs> like for Paris, I mean, it's a very odd, odd mix here of EU and, and Korea. Uh, I don't know if you can sprinkle some of that sparkle on that underwhelming core of Ben Best Soon Cruz. Their record is about to puns. I wanted to return to this because I want to say sprinkle some sparkle. I just had to. So. I'm going to smite you, man. The only, the only problem with Paris, like, I think sparkle becomes eligible for Overwatch League on May 31st. So that's... That's pretty right soon. Then. Yeah. And, and Florida... I, I don't see how they're worse than uh, you ranked London above them, but they have uh, uh, not just nice colors this time, but they have Yaki and Saya player, whom I gave 4.5 for that DPS lineup. It's probably the best DPS lineup uh, when we're looking at this low a tier. And their main support and off-tank positions uh, are not great. That's probably their uh, weakest link. And Chengdu, I want to talk a little bit about Chengdu because we know uh, a Meng's story and it seems like, um, you know, a Wrecking Ball is going to be a big factor going into the league. I ranked them a little bit higher than uh, what the average might look like for us. And I'm not sure how, how uh, they missed out on Coldest, but they've got, uh, they got Leave who might be just as good as any other DPS in the league. So we, we've already mentioned some of those contenders for Rookie of the Year in Glister and 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 uh, Sparkle. So Leave is is on that level. So I'm also hyped for that for that team. So for the Defiant, because uh, now I think I've gotten to where uh, <laughs> Life Force wants me to be. Yeah, it's a very nice Canadian rebranding and restructure. But the, outside of Sure for who is really good on that team and even sure for sometimes is not as great as he can be like i i hear a lot of people hype up kareev and okay, outside say, of like nevix 
Nevix is good, but like has he, he really played for a long enough time to deduce well, that we, he's, we, but he's good enough? There's a reason why he he isn't he wasn't able to play the roster right. he was part of. I mean, I'm not taking away from the fact that there are question marks there, but right. I, I think when we look at the defiant, like we also have to consider where some of these players were and where they came from, right? Like Kareev, I mean, Kareev, I think will be fine. Um, you know. I, uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm, we're arguing. Does Nevix still have the game installed on his PC? <laughs> I'm not saying Nevix is not like great, but he's not elite, right? And 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 I feel like that's not enough, especially when you pair him up with Beast or or Beast Halo, yeah. who's like this really young and promising kid uh, playing at main tank position. But I think that there's so many like oppressive and talented uh, main tanks across the board in the Overwatch League. They'll just mark a big crosser on top of his head and if if his team is not you know behind him and supports him properly uh he might find it difficult because he was playing on fusion university and they had a great core behind him and compared to the rest of the you know talent across main tankies he's probably uh down there in the lowest uh rankings for main tank um but we'll see. Maybe some teams will not have any main tanks uh, to speak of. <laughs> so I, I, just, I just want to point out, we're starting to get into the fine minutia of teams that are out of the playoffs and have quote-unquote upside. Like just to, to right, look at right, the, right, the right. rankings here. Right, to put it into right. perspective. We're going to get there. We so, have like 12 teams fighting to be in the top 10. And then we have eight teams that are fighting to be relevant. So Dallas is still in this tier, right? That we're talking about now with upside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dallas let, does let, upside. Let me let me jump Dallas? in. Let me jump in on the defiant real quick. Okay. So because because everybody's been waiting for this, you know, forever. Um, and and I'll be completely honest. I actually had the defiant ranked higher at the beginning, and and at the beginning. So what what changed is is our good friends at uh I don't know if you pronounce it Canada Overwatch or CA Overwatch. Um, they did this great YouTube interview with with the GM of the Defiant. Um, it's like a half an hour, and and I apologize, I forgot the GM's name, but but he was like super honest, super like transparent. It like it's, uh, yeah, I think it's Asher. Like he 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 he, mm. you know the the guys ask great questions, and and he he was upfront, and and so so they kind of walked through the the roster, right? And, and, you know, honestly, I didn't, didn't, I knew they signed Sherfer. I knew they signed Agilities. I didn't pay too much attention to their, their roster makeup. And, and, and it's really clear in the interview. And again, props to the CA Overwatch guys for, for, for kind of drawing this out of him, um, was that their main target was Kareev. They wanted Kareev bad. And, and to me, Kareev has a, a very impressive Ana, but Ana hasn't been meta for, I don't know. He's yeah. there. She's never met up for long either. Um, and, but I actually think Kareev is one of the more overrated supports, not because he's bad, but because I feel like a lot of people rank him very, very, very high. Like, like yeah. top he two sleeps, he sleeps far as pretty well, especially. Yeah. Against the yeah. yeah. But oh, like, God, but like, but me. like, you know, you know, so Kareev was their highest, highest thing. And, and it's, it's, it's actually a great story and I don't want to ruin it, but I basically am, but there's more, there's more goodies <laughs> in there. So, so, so go check out that interview. Like, I don't know if we want to send a link in RSP quarter or whatever. Um, but, but he, sure goes the explaining, he, he goes on to explain that, that, you know, Kareev was their top choice, but there were quite a few people after Kareev. And, and then 
I don't know exactly know how the, the free agency process works, but the opportunity came up and these are their words that, you know, they could get Kareem and agilities as a package. Um, and, and getting Kareem and agilities as a package was actually cheaper on the buyout scale for them than getting just Kareem. So literally they bogoed agilities, man. So it was, it was there, he, he, he's super honest in saying that, you know, I wasn't really looking at agilities as one of our, our top, you know, free agents, <laughs> but it was buy one, get one free. So why not? So, so that's, that's their main flex DPS because their other flex DPS Mangachu is on a two-way contract. And this is how their roster is, is constructed. And you see, and you rank the Valiant over the Boston Uprising. <laughs> on one on one team, you have Huck, who's kind of a genius at this, like, uh, money bowl. Strategy. On the other side, you, you get this. The BOGO, man. Well, so, okay. I, I mean, I, I love that story. So, so it, it turns out that they weren't going after Team Canada. They they already had Mangachu. They wanted right. Surefor. And Agility's got BOGO'd. What about Dallas? You want to talk about Dallas? No, they're boring. So, I, I'll, I'll, okay, you want to? Talk well, about I just, that? I just want to. I, I know you got notes. I know you want to go through all of them. But we have Dallas placed thirteenth in our mm-hmm. our rankings. But we had them scored fourteen point six seven. They're almost two full placements below the ranking we gave them because the bottom eight are in a bad <laughs> spot. But hey, you want to talk about the fuel? Yeah. So there's a little bit of an improvement here. Actually, a lot of it, if you look at like Dallas's previous season, but it's, it's the fuel, you know? So it's, the, I think for them, it's the last chance to prove that they're not a meme. I gave them four for tanks, four for DPS and 3.5 for um, their support lineup. So to be honest, it's a fully rebuilt team minus Harry, who could be actually pretty good in this meta because I think he might have a sneakily good Baptiste. Remember, he used to be like a soldier specialist, so now mm-hmm. combine that with healing, he might be actually good. And Gamsu is a solid main tank who might prove to be more stable, but a bit less talented version of OG, less volatile. So maybe that's what they need, a little bit more stability. And Gamsu is a very, very good presence to have on your team. And DK and Doha, who is an up-and-comer from Tier 2, there are an actually amazing pickups at DPS. So it's almost good enough to forget about Zachary and AKM being on the bench. <laughs> hey, but Zachary uh, can play Bastion. Uh, <laughs> okay, I guess he could. Uh, but the big question marks here, obviously, Note, Closer, and Anko. So could they step it up? A lot of people, like I've heard Custa say that this might be the year where uh, where Note becomes terrible or Anko become ter- uh, gets terrible. I don't see it, honestly, because to me, they were the... Uh, maybe the most stable uh, players on Dallas and and uh, despite Dallas playing really poorly. And I've been a fan during season one for Dallas. Uh, Anko was always like a super stable flex support, but can they step it up in 2020 and save Dallas from a third straight dumpster fire season? Hopefully, because otherwise I don't see how Arrow remains in his position. But the expectations aren't there anymore, right? Like season one, like we had Dallas feel like they, they were going to be it. And now it's like right. you know, for the most part, they're somewhere around the 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 eight to twelve yeah. mark. If you're being optimistic, I like. But uh, true, it, it does feel like a transitional season. But I do like the fact that they are 
come in complete rebuild uh, rebuild mode and they are now completely disconnected from that envy uh, you know uh, expectation Except or for harry or, hook uh, yeah harry hook exactly he is actually their captain i think like officially crazy. they should they should play but, him. i i remember his soldier who, a lot too so so they I have like on like harry hook as their main support but they have closer as well so yeah well yeah. we'll see right See, now, now we're transitioning into the teams that I think we need to spend some time talking about. These are the teams that are actually fighting for an opportunity for, you know, playoff fan. So we have moved into our wild card classification. These are the teams that will be fighting wild. for a place into the playoffs. Uh, and in the wild card, we have two tiers, Mediocre City and Pretender. So starting in Mediocre City, which is our uh, teams in the 12, 11, and 10 spot, we have the Washington Justice in the 12 spot, the LA Gladiators in the 11 spot, and the Houston Outlaws in the 10 spot. The actual score that we assigned these teams was statistically a tie between the Justice and Gladiators at 10.67 and the Houston Outlaws at 10.33. So we had essentially three teams fighting over the 10 spot. Now, before I uh, pass it over to the two of you to start expanding on all of these notes that you have taken, (laughs) um, Omni and I were relatively similar in our approach. Uh, And then Sam and I had some similarity um, but where we started to ultimately get skewed is a team we haven't spoken about yet, the Hangzhou Spark. That's sort of where the rankings got, you know, skewed a little. But functionally, we have these sort of three teams in the same group. It's just where the Spark sort of, right. you know, flipped the coin or threw things askew. But here, uh, which and one I of think, you wants to kick this one off? Yeah, and before we do, I think just to clarify, whenever we have a two teams share the same score, because we're three people, we can basically say, like, the tiebreaker is if two of us have a team above the other... So that's the one who, that gets to be above. So that's kind of like how we. So the two teams it. that they pick versus the random team that I I ordered. Definitely, <laughs> we yeah. ganged up on you. So Washington, um, people are hot under Justice, and I think that's justified, like halfway because like they finished pretty uh, well the previous season. I gave them three point five for tanks, four point five. Are getting up there in, in, in the scores for DPS and four for uh, uh, supports. And Corey and Stratus are everyone's most beloved DPS uh, and du- uh, memes duo from last season. I'm a bit worried about how well they can operate with Roar and Elevote. Uh, and Ark might be the missing link for leadership for that team because, you know, he's a, a very vocal shot caller and, and he's a fluent uh, Korean English speaker. Uh, but I... I can see them finish really well into the top 10. Uh, so I, I rank them really as low as, as I think they'll go, to be honest, because they host, I think, five homestands and barely travel compared to other teams. Uh, but like with other teams, uh, I, I need to see it to believe it first, to put it, on. I'd say, on paper. But on the spreadsheet, <laughs> I won't do it before I see it. And 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 like another team that we'll get to eventually, they only have eight spots on the roster, uh, which is kind of a bit too little uh, in my eyes. So yeah, that's what I have to say about Washington. Mm-hmm. I think I think talking about Washington is talking a lot about the Corey hype, um, right. his performance in in stage four, his performance with Team USA. I think that's undeniable. 
Um, and I think the Vancouver Titans had a lot to do with it, with them getting their faces smashed in four zero. <laughs> that um, Hanzo was something else. Yeah. So, so I think I think some of it's justified. I think one name that you didn't really mention was Aim God, who I believe was right, with the right. uprising last year, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And and I always thought that Aim God was was pretty decent, which just goes back to me making fun of Boston for like anybody half decent ends up getting sold or or, or right. something like that. Um, so so that's why I think I ultimately I had them a little couple spots higher but but you know at the end of the day like how many games are we playing like 20 29 or something like yes like we're talking about the difference between uh 11 11 wins and and what it, i can't even math right now <laughs> 11 wins is six, like 11 to 12 wins oh, like we're we're, you, we're nitpicking a little bit <laughs> yeah you both guys had them at 10th and i had them yeah. at 12 so yeah mm. yeah so uh, on the justice part though like i i think i will agree that maybe i'm skewed based on what I think is going to be a DPS friendly meta and this team, you know, showing that when we started to see that transition, their DPS could pop off, but I'm maybe not applying as much weight to a small roster size of eight as others are. I mean, this is a theme that we saw throughout almost all types of rankings and ratings, small roster. It's like, Oh, that is a huge question mark. That is a huge risk. I'm going to, I'm going to punish you for it. And it's one of the reasons why the Vancouver Titans have fallen down the rankings in, in many different places. I think for for me though it had more to do with the where the I saw the outlaws and the uh, the spark. I mean that's the team that as I said skewed, which bumped the justice up because originally I actually had the justice at twelve, uh, and then when I came to actually comparing them to the outlaws and the spark, I had the spark below outlaws just below that. And again, mm-hmm. it was more of a, a more of a toss up. Uh, the Houston outlaws. And I just want to sort of speak to this this group here. Is I actually think they functionally are a good roster. They're actually a roster probably that's better than where I think we have actually placed them, and myself included. But this is a new roster, hmm. and you know, to the comment that you made earlier, Sam, about uh, what Asher was talking about when building a, a roster, he is that communication is very key, very important, and I, I do assign more doubt when you have an entirely new roster that sure they've been scrimming boot camping or whatever the heck they're doing together uh, or getting kicked out of the neighborhood and the team house they're trying to live in. There is going to be that, that communication gap that's going to exist in the early part of the season. And that's going to hurt the outlaws more. Right. Uh, here you go again, skipping over teams in the ranking. Well, I'm, Cause I'm only talking <laughs> about the teams I care about. Like I, oh, I okay. here I am like, okay. Or, so backstory here. It's I'm talking about, Hey, let's, let's focus on the teams that are actually worth talking about. Sam's like, I want to talk about the defiant all podcast long. But, but then we can't like <laughs> trash talk the teams that are going to do bad. You're, you're, you're more than willing like, to talk about the, whatever teams you want to talk. We're in want to talk City. about the sadiators, sadiators. See, that's the thing is, I had them higher, I, I and and they got brought down by the two of you. Yeah. Oh, that's so you got to look at the ready set pawn ranking when we're talking well, about these. I, I don't. You're the one wanting to talk about your your notes that <laughs> you guys daddy. took. I'm trying to go through rankings and get through. I an did episode. calculations that entirely validates my. Yeah, he, uh, he took the the uh, the science approach. I took the arts approach. I love my spreadsheets. What can I say? <laughs> okay. Talk, talk about expel, the gladiators, also known as the LA Big Gooses. So, yeah, we kind of talked about how this might be a DPS-centric uh, meta, and that's why I kind of don't like what they have. 
Uh, Birdring and Mirror are really worrisome to me. Birdring is like the Fisher of DPS, but worse, <laughs> as he actually disappears while in-game rather than out of it, right? Hmm. So it's much more damaging. What I love is their tank lineup and support. So I gave them like 4.5 for tanks and supports and 4 for DPS. OG in space is very, very nice in my eyes, as are Big Goose and Shaz, obviously. Uh, and Glads, man, it's so ironic how they had the two DPS in the world last year in, in uh, Sure4 and then Decay, and suddenly they have Birdring and Mirror. So that's kind of why they dropped in my eyes. Do you think that Big Goose and Shaz are, are the most underrated? Like I talked about Kareev being overrated. Do you think they're the most underrated kind of pair? But I I feel like everybody says they're underrated. And when everybody says you're the most underrated, you're no longer underrated. Or maybe we're just not rating them because they're somewhere in the middle, right? Okay. The point is, and it's fairly similar to what, what I wanted to comment about the outlaws. It's not that we're like starting when we go into the top nine, top 10, teams are way more stacked than they used to be. Yeah. coming into this season yeah. so that's just a general comment across the board i'm expecting a much higher ceiling there there won't be as many stomps as we had before so yeah uh, a lot of these teams are already decent and competitive uh so that goes without saying for the gladiators and and the outlaws but before we talk about the outlaws there's a team uh sneaking in there Hangzhou spark where we had a little bit of a discrepancy in how we ranked them so I gave them a four in tank, three point five. Ooh, that's that's rough in DPS, and four point five in uh, support. So Gushu and Ria, it's a rather slim tank line, uh, especially when you're looking at a Winstonless uh, meta uh, currently, at least, and they don't really have uh, that much replacement or backups. And I'm really not a fan of uh, Bazi, you know, and 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 uh, who else they have there, Adora. They never really impressed me that much. I feel that sadly their best DPS was Crystal, who's gone AWOL and then he's, he's been dropped from the team. Uh, and and I'm obviously not criticizing it. It's just unfortunate how that whole thing all went. Uh, but I really like Coldest and IDK. Coldest is um, one of the up-and-comers. He's kind of like an alarm uh, type of guy, a, a Jonah type of flex DPS who might be really popping off a Rookie of the Year candidate. And add to that, IDK, who was one of the best main supports in my eyes uh, last year. It's definitely stacked. Um, Sam, you want to talk a little bit why why your beloved Houston Outlaws kind of dropped uh, from your... So the, the, I think you already kind of explained it, but like, if I were to say, are the Houston Outlaws better this year than last year? I would say yes. Yeah. What, what would, I, I feel like that's consensus. Is that right, Chris? Or maybe you'd be wrong. They're, uh, they're better. Yeah, they're, they're better. better right? Like, and, and I feel like most people you ask, they're better. But mm-hmm. then as like, you know, we're lining up the 20 teams and trying to kind of plop teams in places they're like pretty much right back where they, they started. And, mm-hmm. and I think the reason for that is because the good teams or the teams that made the playoffs for the most part, arguably got better or stayed the same or around there. Yeah. And then there's a couple of middle tier teams that also got better. So meaning that the outlaws, while they're better, just kind of like they're, they're moving upwards on an escalator. So, so that, that, that's what was really strange because I really thought that I would have the outlaws higher, but it just, it just ended up, I think I had them like 12th or something, which is yeah. like, again, like I think 
all the 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 wildcard teams can you can kind of swap them so if, if somebody's listening to this like you know it's, it's it's really not a big deal that i had like the justice at 11 and, and the glads at 13 like it's it's just it just is like we're trying to predict 10 months out yeah um, but but like that that's kind of my thoughts on on the outlaws on the spark like i i ended up putting them a bit higher because because they did have a good run to to end the season like they made do we call it semis or like i i don't remember what they, they what. finished fourth yeah they, they finished fourth right and Sneakily they had a good record yeah yeah they, like for whatever reason like we just never seem like we were big hype on the rain because they they beat the the shock um and you know they added a couple like contenders winners or, or something like that um but but the spark like they've mostly kept their roster outside of crystal and they've added a rookie of the year candidate like you said so like i don't see any reason that like yeah. as right now like why am i docking them points when they're improved from a four spot team last year hmm so that that was the kind of logic that I had for the spark, and it was it was really like an afterthought. I was like, oh yeah, they they actually were pretty good. They were, yeah, the gladiators also surprised me with their finish last year. Sneakily good, uh, like looking at the season, I guess because the the league was so top heavy, we kind of forgot about those second tier teams. And going back to what you said about the Houston Outlaws, I guess it would be would it be fair to say like if you had looked at how their season was about to end last year you'd expect them to be on the precipice of being really, really crap this year. So I'm actually pretty surprised with the roster rebuild that they were able to achieve with all the uncertainty that they had uh, with the, you know, the, the, the buyers for the team and stuff like that. But the only question is whether Muma can still be a great tank like he used to be and how well will the Koreans uh, mesh with the Western DPS core. Like Harsha is probably the best guy for 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 the job and and we will be rooting for him there is kind of a bromance going on between the outlaws and uh, titans uh, social media uh accounts and oh, maybe that's the maybe maybe there's like a bit of a connection with the neon green there i'm not sure uh but definitely i'll be rooting for them outside of the games we played them and uh yeah i gave them a four and four and four for <laughs> across the board so they're already not mediocre getting good there yeah, and I think main tank is really the the one position that's like a lot of teams have have question marks for. Um, Not us. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's there, we never we haven't asked an entire question, a single question about main tank about the Titans all off season. Um, um, but like it, it just feels very unpredictable because we have seen like like depending on meta depending on on momentum like main tanks like rise and fall so fast Um, and and that's why it's like it's so hard to predict and that's why ultimately some of the teams i picked you know higher up in the standings they definitely have question marks at the main tank position but it's also kind of like well that's anybody could have a question mark but yeah they did improve like jexay and rappel and mecco great great like pickups really yeah, I want to have them higher, but it's just math stuff. Well, speaking of a team that's higher, we've already started talking about them, the Hangzhou Spark. We had them in the nine spot. That is the start of the Pretenders tier. They are just below the Guangzhou Charge, as well as the Seoul Dynasty. I think it's safe to suggest that the Hangzhou Spark is a team that we've sort of exhausted our conversation on so far. Yeah, we already talked enough, I think. So let's let's talk a little bit about the, the Guangzhou Charge. Um, we actually statistically had the Guangzhou Charge where we ended up placing them. 
this is probably outside of a team you have yet to hear about, which you'll hear about soon. Uh, this is really the only team uh, that we could say, well, no, I mean, if we go to the bottom of the pile, it was a coin flip. Mm. But, like, I'll, I'll talk about the Guang, Guangzhou charge. I, I kind of look at this team, uh, seeing the changes that they're they're making and, and ultimately improving their roster sufficiently to be above a team such as the Hangzhou Spark. But the problem that I have is they're, in the sense, we sort of talked about how the Houston Outlaws have a better roster. The problem is, yeah. is there are teams above them that have yeah. even better rosters. So the charge fell, not because they didn't get better. It's just, they're not as good as the ones above. But, but light forest, light forest, Pl- plat chat told me Guangzhou was the fourth best team in the league. Sideshow did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, just- I, I, I don't see that hype. They have a really good uh, DPS lineup. I gave it 4.5 for DPS, 4 for supports. They have Shu there is also a pretty good flex DPS. Like Eileen, Nero, there's a good core there. But 3.5 for the tanks. Like, I have never seen how uh, how their main... Well, I always confuse the two. Is it Rio or Rio? Rio. He's a good tank. He's above average for sure. But adding Krong, I'd see them going up in the rankings if they were able to get Mecco. Uh, uh, from the NYXL, and and if he wasn't on Houston, but but Krong, I've heard good things, but again, he's a rookie. I'm not sure if he he'll be good enough, and they don't have any substitutes in their uh for their tanks. That's why I'm kind of like uh careful with uh, ranking Guangzhou any higher, and and despite their their uh um stacked lineups. Uh, and th- they did improve when Nero came in. They never were, were able to really play up to their potential, especially when it came to the playoffs. Um, yeah, I don't see... They're not bad, right? We're already talking about top eight team in here. I just see that all the teams that we've ranked above them are, are better. That's <laughs> all. You might say you're happy with that nine. Oh, are we, who are we talking about now? Soul? Yeah, uh, Soul Soul comes next. Sam's, you know, favorite team who... Uh, Truth be told, he ranked the lowest out of the three of us. Of course, his boy Ryu Jae-hong is no longer there. Yeah, you just, got it. It just gutted <laughs> his rating. So the Seoul Dynasty, I think, improved, but there's still a a like what roster are they going to trot out in front? Uh, and are they going to go and have you know team A, B, C, and F? like? Every season, musical chairs. Yeah, like I, I, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, just looking at the the roster itself. I mean, you've got uh, three DPS, all of which who functionally play the same role. Um, you haven't really improved, you know, significantly, uh, you know, year over year. But I also have to give them credit because there is sort of that unity. I mean, they are bringing together players who have been playing with each other. And I'm again, yeah. I applied a lot of weight to to team unity team cohesion and the ability to communicate when it mm-hmm. came to to ranking teams so i i see soul actually you know placing in in what we had them as the seventh spot um i think that's a fair assessment i mean on you had them slightly higher and, and sam you had them actually a little bit lower but you know the seventh is spot it, is it definitive is that they improved well i don't think they uh, i don't think I, they've um, gotten worse. I'd say yes. 
Can you add gesture and profit to any team and not improve? Yeah, but then you also have to take in the fact that you you lost um, Jay Hong uh, and Fleta. Uh, Fleta. Oh, Fleta. Well, if you replace Fleta with profit, just just look uh, tunnel vision on that mm-hmm. replacement. I'd say it's an improvement. As for Bedosin uh, replacing Drew Jahong, uh, kind of the same in a way. So that's why I think they might be a bit better, but not by a lot. I mean, if they had kept Fleta alongside Profit, whoo, that would have been a spicy DPS duo. But yeah, because mm. because with both of them being so flex, and and that's where like I get a little bit confused. I think. How you rank the Soul Dynasty depends on how what you thought of the London Spitfire last year. Right, right, exactly. Because well, London had uh, you know gesture and profit, and and if you don't have the proper synergy and the proper uh, cohesion of team, and if there's some internal strife, and these are very vocal uh, players, especially especially when we're talking about gesture, he might just take this whole ship down with him, and that's why like it's a bit. a little bit precarious, uh, and I agree. So London, this is London 2.0, is yeah. it not? It, it's, well, it's really like a merge of, of half of Seoul last year and half of London, right? Yeah, I wish and, they had kept Fleta, like you said. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I, I agree that in, in a vacuum, like profit, I think would be would be top on my list of like you know if we're talking about single player carryability, just the right. like you're going to take one person to overtake one game and just carry you over. Right. Um, but that hasn't always translated well when, when the team isn't, you know, is too heavy, I guess, if you we're going with the analogy of being carried. Uh- <laughs> and I think that Seoul has always been a more, uh, a team that's been put in, in more pressure and, and there's way more scrutiny because they're the only Korean team. And I think it'll be taken up an, another notch because, uh, we'll have the homestands, uh, this season, and if they are the only uh, Korean-based team and they perform mm-hmm. poorly, oh, I can't help to think how Inven is going to tear them a new one, really. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that might be even tougher for them. And with, without having like a calm leadership in uh, um, a guy like Aruja Hong, they still have Toby. But outside of that, like I guess it's time to say goodbye to. Uh, you know, lunatic high, really. It's yeah, kind of sad. and and I think um, what, here's what I'll say about the the dynasty is I feel like they're the outlaws of last year, but not in terms of play. I think in terms of teasability, I think they're most likely going to be the team that that yeah, that's a that's a new word. We just coined it. <laughs> is is like they're most likely going to be the team that that in spurts you're going to be like, holy crap, did you see that? They were so good. Yeah, like they're they're really going to do this upset, and then they'll disappoint you. So, so that, like that, that is exactly how I feel about, about the dynasty is, is I feel like at their peak, like they could go up there with any of these teams that we're about to talk about, but how long that peak lasts, like that's the question mark for me. Right. So getting into our playoff classification, the last six teams, these are what we feel are a sure fire lock to be in the playoffs for Owl 2020. Playoffs. Playoffs. So our Three teams in our almost there tier. At six, the Shanghai Dragons. At five, the Atlanta Reign. And at four, the Philadelphia Fusion. Based on the three of our picks, we could also rename this tier 
the wild card crazy oh my god pog champ we <laughs> predicted one of these teams to place a lot higher than they did um all three of them i mean i mean if we go across they all sort of fell into some weird ass spots and i just said a word i'm probably gonna <laughs> oh have to my goodness <gasps> Oh, you got, but, what did I say about getting so agitated over uh, rankings? I know, exactly. I just wanted to get right through this. Uh, let's talk about the Shanghai Dragons. It's, we have them coming in at the sixth spot. It's funny how it's always light for us. You wouldn't expect it. It's yeah. getting fired up over us talking about like a Florida <laughs> mayhem for an hour. Uh, <laughs> oh, Dragons. Okay. Um, yeah, I gave them a 4.5 for DPS and for supports, which is really, really high across the board. But thanks. Holy bleep. It's 3.5 because I'm concerned with the main tank position. I mean, Fearless, uh, can he and Void synergize to give that deep, deep DPS lineup space to operate? Void wasn't amazing next to Roar, and I think Fearless is is a downgrade over um, um, uh, Roar. And I don't know. They do have a DM who's out with an injury, but I guess Fleta and Ding are more than flexible and talented enough and they can play around each other. And uh, now they've gotten an upgrade uh, with uh, Runaway's own Lee Jagon and Izayaki are coming in. They promised to be also a good upgrade over last year in the support. So they are, I think, bound to improve again. Like they uh, improved a lot in, in the second year, but that main, like the, the, the tank lineup is kind of worrisome in my eyes. Uh, Stan one was actually, uh, also hailed as a good up and comer, uh, uh, rookie. Plus, we don't know if we'll get to see Gaguri a lot. I'm, I, I've heard that she, she grinds a lot of, uh, of wrecking ball recently. Uh, but it's all up to Fearless. I've heard he was great in contenders again. So maybe it'll be a good comeback story. I hope for them that it'll be good. Unleash the Fleta. Mm-hmm. Do you think Fleta will be improved from last year? I hope he will be because uh, he's he kind of reminded me of Carpet coming in from season one, where he was like this MVP caliber type of player, and then he's kind of like, uh, he's he's just barely okay. Hopefully, mm. hopefully he'll get he'll definitely get more uh, playing time. I think if if anything goes if nothing goes wrong, then he gotten over at the you know musical chairs team uh, on soul so hopefully you get to stretch out those uh far wings or or what else does he play i already forgot you see he barely played last season but that's the thing flood plays everything like he's got a decent true, sombra true, true. and and although i think is a ding that plays sombra too like like flood yeah. is the ultimate flexed guy right and um, ding yeah ding and, and ding is i think a little bit under i get uh, it's not fair to he's say also he's also like a Fara specialist. He's a Fara amazing, amazing on Fara. So, so like I, so, so in all transparency, I had the dragons ranked second, which is um, oh, even by my standards, it. it's a reach. Um, but I like again, I like I have to reemphasize this. We're like one of the main things that's different between this year and last year is I think last year I was very much stage one meta focused. Um, and this year I'm trying to be three metas ahead. I'm trying to predict yeah. metas that the developers themselves haven't thought of yet. Nobody knows what the meta no, will be. No, literally nobody knows. And, and so like, like I think in, in the interest of being right, you got to get some reaches because that's, that's what's quirky. Right. And, and honestly speaking, the Titans were the team last year that, that, you know, we expected them to be great, but not like 17 and oh, right. great. Right. Um, and so, so 
weirder things have happened. And and so for for the dragons, like I think the biggest the biggest weakness definitely is is their tank nine. That's the biggest question marks, no doubt. Um, but I ended up deducting kind of less mental points for that because I have some questions about a lot of the other tank lines on on how they'll mesh and and et cetera yeah. as well. And and I and I'm and I at the time that I made this, I didn't know DM was injured. So, so I really like their, their kind of DPS setup. Yeah. Right. And, and with their upgrades and support, I believe their support line is now what I would consider elite level up there with the, with the Titans, with the the Excelsior, with, with the shock in terms of, of their support line. Um, so, so yeah, it's a reach. And and then the, the last thing I'll mention, which is where I'll hint to when we start talking about other teams that we kind of like, um, is, is that, I think they care a lot about the regular season, um, in which means that they'll be going for for more wins to try and get a higher ranking. There, yep. So when I look at the dragons, first of all, their DPS is so deep that I actually wonder: is it too deep? Like, are there too many choices to make, and could that be a problematic? I don't look at their tank line though as being that big of an issue, as as you do on it. I mean, I, personally, I think Gregory comes in. Um, and, and and feels uh you know an adequate ball like I, I i i looked at the dragons and originally i had them actually in the three spot oh and then i st- but I, again i was just going sort of through through teams and then i oh no that team's better that team's better i have a couple ahead of them i had the dragons at the five spot um i mean so having them you know come in where we have them at six i'm, I'm comfortable with that because i think when i look at the five other teams that we have remaining those five other rosters are stronger. Yeah. If Diva and Ryan are actually meta, like a lot of people predict, I guess Void and Fearless could be a really, really good tank lineup, better than uh, what we thought. But then again, who you pl- that's the problem, right? Because they're so, the, the teams above them are so super stacked. So it's really hard to, to climb in this uh, tier yeah. mm-hmm. over the competition. So in the five spot, Atlanta Rain. I'm going to kick this one off no by, by, by <laughs> stating the obvious. Let's go, dude. I plat chatted this one. <laughs> oh. Like it was, it was, it was literally like, Oh my God, am I seriously putting the Atlanta rain in the three spot? That's where I had them as the three spot. This was my, you know, crazy reach. Uh, I, I actually look at the Atlanta rain, uh, roster and I'm like, yeah, this, this, I mean, look, uh, tank line, solid DPS, solid support, solid change of meta, solid. Like, I, I don't see anything there that I would punish them for. Mm. So I gave Atlanta four for tanks. Very, very solid. The first five we're gonna uh, that we uh, have in my rankings, at least for DPS, it's a, the scores go all the way up mm-hmm. to six. But that's the first first five we see, and four in uh, support. So Edison and Erster, I'm really high on as DPS duo. They can contend for like the best DPS duo out there. Erster is another one of these guys who who can play it all. His his uh, May is nuts. His Hanzo is crazy, and Edison is another up and comer who. Like Sparkle, like uh, um, Aleve, like who was the other one? Glister are, are hailed to be like this, you know, savant yep. at playing DPS. So he's another one that will will not have any issues coming in and popping heads and taking names. 
Uh, poor baby bay. I'm not sure he's going to see a lot of playing time, especially when they like this add stuff another, again. Yeah, they have an uh, also an underaged sharp who's also super super good at the hit scan DPS position. Um, so Gator and Pokpo. Um, Gator was really improving at a rapid pace. But I'm not sure if he's as solid a pick as, say, the likes of Mono or Super Art. Dare I say, even Fisher, should he play more than half a season? So that's why I kind of like I, I went with a four, which is still super, super high. Hawk, I've heard great things about. Like he's going to be a really stalwart off tank, really uh, is going to surprise a lot of people. It's, at least that's what people say. And Fried was also pre- Fried was also pretty good. Uh, fried, not in. Fred or friend. It's everybody says it differently. So apparently, it's Fried. <laughs> that's the worst FRD, version. Fred. It's Fried. <laughs> yeah, like that's what what that what their GM said on a podcast. So I assume he knows how it's. Uh, I, maybe I guess he so. doesn't know. And another point of concern, uh, concern is Masa. So and Masa and Dogman, like they are very volatile in a way that they they have very high peaks uh but maybe not as consistent as the truly truly elite supports uh not izayaki and lee jagon yeah just uh, a shot a shot at at you there sam i think they uh, there are uh the three remaining are are those the three remaining teams no we have four four remaining teams i think there are better support lines but Masa and Dogman are are pretty good. When they're good, they're just as good as anyone. But the problem is they're not always at that peak level that they can be. Uh, they they are very emotional, both in the competitive setting in Overwatch League and on stream if you follow them, which is fine, right? Uh, but it just sets them a tier below uh, the other supports that I consider to be really, really good in the league. So they are a really great team. Uh, they are definitely improved, and I'm looking forward to seeing them play. But again, it's one of those uh, cases where we got to see it to believe it. But I guess we already believe it, <laughs> having placed them so high. Uh, but that's pretty much it for me. I mean, I don't personally don't see how they fit into the top three. Uh, if you guys want to, uh, you know, talk about this, uh, uh, who, who? Well, I, had, I had them at six. You had them at I had them at six. six. Oh, Chris, you wanna you wanna explain yourself? You placed them third. <laughs> so the plat chat okay. was strong. So you your rankings, you know, you I think you do it quite well where they're not an elite roster, but I don't feel there are anything more than two elite teams in the Overwatch League this season. Mm. Now when I start looking at where I'm placing them and I'm not wanting to give anything away to what we're going to talk about uh, in the next four spots, I hadn't, like when I say I couldn't drop them, they had a really good roster and while not elite, no question marks. I, I wasn't sitting there like, yeah, this needs to work or I have some doubt here. Not entirely sure about that. Like I was looking this like, yep, yep, yep. Like, I mean, I, I, I mean, Case in point, uh, you know, Gitter and, and FRD, no problem. Uh, Edison Erster, I'm, I'm fine with. Masa and Dogman, I actually would suggest they're trending towards, uh, you know, an elite support line. So, like, for me, there's a real sound team. Hmm. And 
because I had none of these question marks and I'm sort of moving the pieces around, I was left with this spot and that's where I put them. I, I, I didn't want to put them <laughs> where I did. I did not want to put them above a team that I <laughs> did, but that's, Again, it's hard hard for me to explain. This was not so much Atlanta getting three because that's where they should be. It's getting it because, well, geez, that's the spot left. Hmm. Hmm. I, I guess I'm not as convinced on Massa and Dogman. And that that's really why I have them in the sixth spot. And and also, like I think there is, I think I did a little bit of reverse recency bias in that I look at I look at Atlanta. Um, I look at Washington and I think, you know, they had really good ends to their season, you know, outside of, you know, losing and not getting the championship, but, but they had, you know, good stories by the end of the season. Like everybody felt happy with the reigns season. Um, but to, to kind of bring it way back, like that's not really indicative of what next season will look like. And, and this time last year, like Dogman, we forget was not on the reigns roster. He was signed by Lorraine, but Lorraine thought he was not at a level. I thought he was a feeder. Yeah. So did the fans. So, so like, like what, what changed and will that change happen again? Like that? So, uh, yeah. That's well, my question. No, I mean, he, he, he worked his way onto the roster and he started to play well. Like I, I personally feel that Dogman evolved over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. And I, you're right. There are still question marks, and there's a lot to suggest that maybe that evolution, you know, does not continue. But I, I don't, I don't really discount them as, as significantly. Like again, I, I, I know my my number is what bumped them sort of to where they were. They would have probably been lower, but it just well, they're at the fifth spot, so it's yeah, it's kind of right around the right spot. Like, but like, and to be clear, like I'm not that bad on on Massa and Dogman. It's just when we're talking about the support lines that we will, like I think in the top six, they're probably my, my least favorite anyway. Oh, well, no. And I, okay. So that's like, they're not, when it comes to their, their support, are they, are they elite? No, the teams that we're going to start talking about next are, but as a balance of three roles, they average out really well. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's, and that's where I think we're 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 getting to that point where there are fewer and fewer and fewer questions. It's the non sexy sexy pick. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, hell, you're the one who put the dragons in the two spot. So <laughs> who are you to tell me about <laughs> putting a sexy non sexy pick? There's the difference. <laughs> um, <laughs> the team we have in the four spot, the Philly Fusion. Uh, the Philly Fusion, I had actually in the sixth spot, um, all things considered. And I mean, this is just more of a, a different roster, a different look. Um, and, you know, there are some that suggest they're probably an elite team. I don't necessarily believe they're there. I feel they're almost there. Yeah. I, I think I've rated them like second last season or something like that, only to be disappointed and burnt by them. Uh, constantly and, and it, it's like a common pattern with them just on paper because that that's what we have right it looks like they've upgraded across the board in almost any position except for Sado right I think it would have been a perfect landing spot for Tizzy for example or maybe that that other guy Bumper, uh, Bumper I believe his name was and then they'd be stacked to the brim at any role like I, I'd be much more confident 
but still, you know, a very deep roster, especially a DPS. But they've got, uh, they've got Chipsa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got Chipsa. Uh, outside of that amazing Doomfist talent, and, and actually there's a pretty good interview about why they got Chipsa, and it makes sense. It's kind of like a me- in, in more of a mentorship role for, uh, let's say, EQ or Carpe should Doomfist come into the meta. But they also clarify that if Doomfist become a, becomes a proper uh, pick, he might even see the light of day and, and step up on that stage. But he's definitely a one trick uh, on that team as well. Other than that, outside of Carpe and EQO, which we still wait to get back to that same level that they have been in season one. And I believe they were the best DPS duo in the league at that point in time. But then we didn't see that when uh, 222 became a thing. Uh, Hisu is a good uh, pickup. He's still underage, but apparently a very talented hit scan DPS. Um, but then you look at their upgrade in off tank. Poco was already a good pick, but now they've got Fury, who is pretty uh, darn good uh, upgrade over that. Funny Astro, who's been really, uh, uh, you know, a lot of teams were really trying hard to get him. Apparently he's a very is uh, a savant main support and very good uh, shot caller. And now they've gotten the one and the only person that they've been waiting for so long to get. <laughs> Boombox has been on limited time ever since he came into the league because they they they've had this guy who everybody said, "Oh, this alarm dude, he's like Jonak. He's he's he's, he's amazing." And he actually was like Fusion University was was uh, successful for so long because of that guy. And I can't wait to. To actually uh, see what all the hype is about. I mean, I saw a lot of clips and, and games that he played in Tier 2, but until you see him uh, step up against the likes of Jonak and Twilight and, I don't know, Izayaki Shu and all these guys, uh, we'll get to see if he really uh, 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 lives up to the hype. And, and it, it, sometimes people don't don't live up to the hype. Like, we, we had a lot of hype uh, coming in with the, the likes of DK, and while he is good... He never really became that MVP caliber uh, type of player. So hopefully Alarm uh, works for them. Um, yeah, like Alarm could be a rookie of the year contender, like I said, the flex support position. But the team can also underachieve again. And I will bl- – if, if they – Underachieve again. Uh, I'll, I'll blame Carpe and EQ over this because uh, we've given we we gave them too much uh, uh, benefit of the doubt, and like we expect them to be great, and they haven't been. Maybe they 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 Carpe played too much Zarya, and EQ played too much uh, a Brig, and they kind of forgot how to DPS. Hopefully, they they uh, become a little bit better. And yeah, I gave them a four for tanks, four point five for healers, and five uh, and a nice shiny five at DPS. What would you say their floor is? Like what would be considered like wow. a disappointing season? A disappointing season would be anywhere below six. So if they don't make, because the I think they're aiming point. really, really high, mm-hmm. and they should be with their Comcast money, right? And they, they, <laughs> they are trying hard to get all the the, the proper upgrades. Well, that Comcast money is also building them a fancy dancy. Stadium. Oh yeah, like the Fusion Arena looks amazing, phenomenal, yeah. very cool. Yeah, not too much to add. I think I think every, we start by looking at you know their additions in Alarm and who I actually will think is is the Rookie of the Year, but that's you know a guess more than anything because like I've been saying all episode, I don't watch contenders. Um, but but when then we start looking down the line with like 
the funny Astro pickup, the Fury pickup, those are all solid picks. Fury, I think, was was you know at one point in time considered one of the best off tanks in the league. Um, I don't know if he still is considered that now, but he's got that quote unquote championship pedigree. Um, <laughs> and and I think Ivy is also like a very underrated pickup that nobody right. talks about because we we just go straight to chips. So I thought Ivy was one of the better players in one of the, like the 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 only shiny spots of of the defiant Toronto. yeah so so like i don't know what roles all these guys are going to play and obviously they're not going to all play at once but but i i just like the way that they were thinking <laughs> the, the major the major announcement overwatch can now be played like 12 versus 12 <laughs> <laughs> well some of these teams are going to lose for sure then <laughs> oh no and sato yeah like i i he's a talented player but Kind of like with other teams that w- where you can see a definite like weakness. I think the elite, co- uh, like the elite teams, well coached teams will will smell that blood and like go for 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 Sato. And but they still to... got one more roster spot, and there's true. There's a lot of main tanks that we just talked about out in the open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some that made the All Star team and hint hint stuff. nudge nudge. <sighs> so that leaves us with three teams. The final. Tier. I guess I guess what teams contenders <laughs> in alphabetical order are the New York Excelsior, the San Francisco Shock, and your Vancouver Titans. So who is it that we had in the three spot? Well, we had the Vancouver Titans in third. Your Vancouver Titans, we feel, finish third. What a home now, pick. Okay. So I had them at four. Sam, you had them at five. Like we were, we we're down on the Titans. But then you know, Omni here, voice of reason, test, test, test. he had the had the Titans up there in the two spots. So after the math is applied, the Titans fall in the three. We actually, if you actually look at that math, it's three point six seven. They're trending towards the four spot uh, as opposed to the three. But again, math and science and all that funny stuff. Titans are where they are. I'm going to talk about the Titans, the Vancouver Titans have an elite support line. No question about it. This is a this is one of the best support lines in the league. The problem is that they have the potential to have an elite DPS line and they have the potential to have an elite tank line. If all things go the way of the Vancouver Titans, the Vancouver Titans are the top team in the league. But we have questions that we have unfortunately remain unanswered. Uh, tank line, we don't know how the uh, acquisition of Fisher functionally improves upon a team that had previously had Bumper. Uh, if the change is due to an Arisa meta, well, it sounds like an Arisa meta ain't really a thing anymore. So, like, there's there are things that we don't know. Um, you have Janu, who's a great tank, but you know, could it be that we're we're going to have to see him? Uh, go into a different off tank role, or you know, is there's talk about Jaehyung being the backup main tank? Like, I mean, SMS could I guess go off tank? Jaehyung could go main tank? We don't know. There's so many of these questions when it comes to the tank line. Now, if things go their way, if the if we actually see a dive meta, the Vancouver Titans do well as long as Fisher plays well. I mean, he wants he wants to play. He needs resources fed into him. And if there's anything that we know about the Vancouver Titans support line, they're all about putting every resource they have possible into their tanks. So this is where, for me, those question marks were were strong enough that had me drop them to the the four spot out of that sort of top three tier. But my my ceiling first, 
clearly first. So that's kind of how I looked at it. Remember how I didn't give slack to any other team in any type of weakness that might be apparent or or a slim roster or something that could could go wrong. I assumed it would go wrong. So I didn't do any of that for the Titans because someone has to go down that road. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I, give it, I gave them a 4.5 in uh, tank, 4.5 in DPS, and a shiny six at support, which is the highest possible score. So let me explain. The Fisher question, really, we, we, can we rely on him not to implode and bring down the team with him? Only time can tell. So I'm just assuming it won't because I'm just one guy out of three, and I assume like someone had to. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure if it's a thir- 33% uh, probability for him uh, finishing the season. I'm hoping that we will pick up another backup to accommodate that. Maybe there are some rumblings about with uh, with uh, Mag in the future. I'm not sure how, how quickly he becomes of age. But, you know, there are also concerns about the internal strife post-bumper. Uh, but per, per Albert, we, we did hear that the team is still dominating in scrims. And I just want to clarify, like you said, Chris, but I'm going to be a little bit more uh, specific. There are no teams outside of the other two that we're going to talk about that have a top three uh, player in more than two positions. And the Titans have that in off tank, in main support, flex support, and in flex DPS. And we have discussed the fact that we're going to have travel and how uh, slimmer teams might might be at more of a risk. But honestly, had the Titans uh, played last season with only eight players, would someone even notice? And they wouldn't because... Overwatch is not played like basketball or like football. Um, subs are very rarely used unless you have some weird uh, differences in role placements. And, and if you're good at, at almost any spot, you might not even have to play anyone outside of your uh, main six. So that's kind of like what I'm hoping for. Uh, and hopefully that pays off because if it doesn't, uh, we might see uh, a drop for the Vancouver Titans. So I, I definitely understand that I've placed them as high as I think they can go because someone has to. <laughs> Ready, said pawn, a Vancouver Titans podcast. So you, you said pawn. Yeah. He's <laughs> the one that gets us in trouble. Pwned. I think, I think, uh, when people glance through this and when they look at our numbers and they look at our pie charts and all that stuff, the the five spot is going to make a bunch of people upset. So I will explain. But probably a whole bunch of people won't look at this or won't listen to all this because we're, what, two hours in? And they're going to miss it and I'm going to get flamed, which I'm very much looking forward <laughs> to. Um, that being said, I I want to go even more extreme. Not only do I have them placed fifth, this is what I want them to be placed. So, so I want to just stay with, stay with me, stay with my mindset for just a second before you know you're. I can. I'm leaving. You're you're leaving. Click. Last year we had an historic year, right? Like we went seventeen and zero. We we made the playoffs by May. It felt like, and ultimately the the taste we had at the end of the season was. Uh, a bitter taste 
I don't think there's anything that the Vancouver Titans can do that will make this a successful season in the regular season. Um, and and while while I actually think like Omni's kind of you know you know rankings per per position are actually bang on, I agree with all of it. Right now, I don't see them beating the 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 other team that used to be Orange. Um, and and so what I want them to spend the season doing is I want them to try things. I want them to, you know, to use an NBA term load manage, if that's what's necessary. I want to see Ruje Hana monkey just to see if it works. Like, and I don't care if they lose a couple games because we like, if we go power on power, I feel like we're going to come up short again in the playoffs. So as long as you guys have a top six spot, like go nuts, try creative things like meta shift. All you want, all we need is a top six spot. And let's see who wins in the playoffs. That's where I'm coming from. That's why I have them fifth. It's fair. So that leaves the San Francisco Shock and the New York Excelsior. If you've reached this point of our podcast and you think we have the San Francisco Shock placing second, you obviously have tuned in for the very first time or two, think that somehow we hate them with a passion as we do. They're the best team in the league. Not only did they prove that last year, going toe-to-toe with the Vancouver Titans and adapting, they proved that they had the roster to adjust to pretty much any meta that was presented to them. And they did some crazy things in the final that, quite frankly, no other team had a response to. If it wasn't for those stupid Atlanta rain waking them up... Maybe the Vancouver Titans win the grand final, but no, the San Francisco Shock are top of the table. So we have the New York Excelsior in the two spot. I look at the New York Excelsior lineup, and this is strong. I mean, support Animo Jonak, uh, already an elite support line. Mandu makes it even better. Uh, DPS, Nene Sebiobi, Libero, and then you add Who Are You? I love Who Are You? Who, me? Exactly. Uh, and then up on the, the thing, you got Mono, Hotbot, and you had Bianca. Like, I, I just look at the Excelsior, and they have so much potential, and I believe that they're going to execute on that potential. Uh, it might almost be surgical. <laughs> Hashtag potential. Yeah. Now, earlier you had mentioned sort of floor. It is possible that the New York Excelsior could fall through the floor, but I, you know, on paper, they're strong. We've seen them execute, you know, year over year over year with strength. Sure, playoffs are an entirely different story for them. I don't yeah. necessarily see that as being a problem going into 2020. I get them as my clear number two. For me, I don't know. They're a mystery. If we had to attach memes to the New York <laughs> to every team, like uh, New York would be that uh, Boromir meme. Like one does not simply win in the playoffs. <laughs> so uh, I'll I'll clarify the my rankings. I gave them a 4.5 in tanks, a little bit of a decrease from last year, a 5 in in uh, DPS and 5.5 in support because I think that Mecco is a better tank than Hotpa, but not not by a lot. But I also think that if Zenyatta is back in the meta with if they play Baptiste and Zen this year, Jonak is as scary as ever. And the DPS lineup still looks good uh, with whoever plays there. It doesn't really matter. I think Nene, Sebi Albi might play a lot. <clears throat> Libero will obviously play. 
who are you? I'm not that high on because he has had kind of a, like issues throughout it's his the new flower. Career. Yeah, exactly. You stole the freaking words out of my mouth. <laughs> so I wanted to say, like, that's what I kind of uh, am worried about, especially like in a team environment that has such, such you know, already bona fide DPS carries over there. And I think he'll be uh, a little bit uh, vocal about him not gay, gay, getting the proper uh, experience or the proper opportunities. So it might go uh, not as well as we might have thought. It, it could go. Um, Mando, I've heard great things about underage, but once he comes in, uh, uh, um, he might be a really good uh, flex uh, main support uh, sub. But all of this analysis doesn't mean ish because yeah, I was like almost confusing into using some uh, potty mouth uh, words like uh, light force here. Because once this team gets into the playoff, I think they already have it not like and, and deep in their minds that they. Uh, might choke or sandbag everyone will label it and, and I'm worried about this core it's the third season in a row that they are expected to do great things and if they're not what do you do from here they have a lot of talent across the board but well, yeah I'm not just not, they never impressed against the top tier teams never in the playoffs but that but the play the playoffs and the regular season are two different beasts yeah right like, <clears throat> and I, I I bring the potential of a falling through the floor analogy sure. is yeah the sandbag and all that but arguably how is it that we look at the new york excelsior and not look at them as a team that goes into the regular season as a team that's going to play really well in the regular sure. season that's why they are top three yeah, and it, way head and shoulders above uh the other 17 teams yeah the it should be pointed out the actual ranking for the new york excelsior was the three spot that's how clear the number one spot was uh on the table yeah. for us uh so us having them at two has them playing above where we feel they'd fall. But you know. Oh, yeah. I, I meant, yeah, sorry. I meant they were a three on my uh, board, but they are uh, second. Yeah, no, no. I, but, I mean, your your spot was the average. Like, if, if all things being considered, when we do the math, we would have right. had this team at the three spot. But there was, no, very, very there was only one more team left that was better than them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it's just weird because, like, I, I think I fell into the flower trap hard last year. I just I just don't think who are you is going to play. So that means that you know when you're looking at a starting six, we're looking at Mano, Hotba, Nene, uh, Libero, Animal, Jonak again, and the clear kind of like at least a semi, you know, not what's the opposite of upgrade downgrade um, is, well, is at the, is Hotba. So so it's like they didn't they weren't impressive last year for, for their, you know, based on their roster and their, their expectations. And to me, there's a clear, at least half a step decrease. So, so that's why I had them ranked fourth. If the Titans were to have run back their roster from last season, they're starting six. Where would we have actually placed them where we placed them or they have dropped or would they have gone a little bit higher if they had run back the same six? I, I would, I f- but I'm crazy. No, but the thing is, I, I like I feel <laughs> I, if the Titans run back the six, we actually give them more benefit of the doubt. Like we would have been higher, more confident yeah. in the six. Yep. It's it's the introduction of the changes that has us like, okay, I'm not entirely sure of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just interesting that when we look at the Excelsior, who is running back essentially the same roster, a really good roster, it's like, no, actually in this scenario, no, that's not good. I'm not saying that they're they're going to win the the league. I mean, mm-hmm. 
You're right. But their playoffs. Yeah, I was just saying that their peak is might not have been as high as as the Titans last year. Yeah. So. San Francisco shock. I don't even know what we need to say about this team. This this roster is strong. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, they they were essentially farming out players who had no hope of seeing the light of day in the shock starting six, who are now going to go and start on some of these lower teams. Like, it... it it almost occurs to me that the San Francisco Shock are, as of today, in a league of their own. They are the clear number one on our table. I don't know of the Shock placing any lower than number one on any power ranking out there. Well, I think I think it reminds me of uh, sorry, it reminds me of NYXL uh, last year. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, you have to acknowledge that they're losing a lot of championship pedigree and losing Nevix, right? Oh yeah, huge pedigree there. So that's that's a huge loss. I know you're joking, but I mean, we look at, we look at the San Francisco Shock. They're they were able to adapt, and you know the term uh, that gets bandied about is like meta-proof or meta-resistant. I don't see how that's any different. Like we we're going into this season still kind of trying to understand what will that meta be. We'll we'll know within the first couple of weekends as to what mirror comps are going to get rolled out. Cause that's what I feel is going to happen. It'll all be the mirror, but the San Francisco shock, like you look at every position. Yeah, it's not a problem. Yeah, they can do this, but no, they can do that. No, they can do this. Like I, I don't know of a character that they could trot out in the game mm-hmm. that the San Francisco shock don't already have a right. top three player to, to take charge. Like that. It... Like my fear and that just goes as a Titans fan who is a competitor and a rival to that team is that we haven't even seen what they're capable of as of yet. Yeah. I don't mean that they will have uh, as good as a, a you know a regular season record because I just think that they might not as care as much as, as they did uh, last season and they are just focused on the prize. But they have all of the building blocks of a great legacy here uh, of a team that really can go all the way uh, multiple years, unless something falls apart there. Uh, I gave them personally six in DPS, the only team to, to get that perfect score in DPS uh, six in heels kind of like the Titans. And, but I did give them a 5.5 in, um, in the tank line because outside of Cho Hyobin, like the main tank with super and Smurf is, great and elite but it's not perfect uh nonetheless they are a relentless team well coached and super talented and it seems like they are still super hungry they i think they started their uh their their camp and scrims in korea earlier than most of the other teams they have like i said the best dps lineup in the league they can roll out their b team and on dps i'm not even sure which one is the b team that really dependent on meta and the only point of slight concern is the tank lineup. If 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 Choi is having like if he gets injured or his stomach is upset and stuff like that. Same goes for their support lineup with no substitutes at all. But I'm just you know looking for things here to to hold on to some some <laughs> slithers of hope. 
Uh, yeah, but, and, yeah, and I think you, you docked them points for for their main tank and gave them a five point five. And I'm just looking down your list, and I, and I agree with you. Like, you don't have anybody else above a four and a half. So right. even then, like, yeah, they're not perfect, That's but true. they're clearly like by a significant margin, they're the best. True. So you know, no one got that six in tanks. <laughs> Boohoo. <laughs> so. I mean, if you've won, made it this far in the the episode over two hours, this is a record for RSP. Like I, I am sitting here, my stomach is making noises. I have yet to eat dinner, <laughs> and it's like stupid late. Um, going from the bottom to the top, recapping our power rankings at the bottom, we have the Boston Uprising, LA Valiant, London Spitfire, Paris Eternal, Florida Ma'am, Chengdu Hunters, Toronto Defiant, Dallas Fuel, Washington Justice, LA Gladiators, Houston Outlaws, Hangzhou Spark. Guangzhou Charge, Seoul Dynasty, Shanghai Dragons, Atlanta Reign, Philadelphia Fusion, your Vancouver Titans, New York Excelsior, and San Francisco Shock at the top. We will be pushing out a graphic and a number of graphics to support those rankings to make it easier to follow along. Uh, hopefully they hold up because, again, I mean, no other you know content creator out there uses science like we use science. We science the heck yeah. out of the science. Mm-hmm. Just call this Doctor, you know, Omni, Doctor, another Sam Chan, and Doctor Lightforce. Yeah. Actually, you're now another Doctor Sam Chan. Another. I'm sure there's a Doctor Sam Sam Chan Chan out there. Probably writes books. Yeah, probably. (laughs) So here we are at the end of our longest episode ever. Like, this is crazy long. Uh, but, uh, before we start, you know, wrapping up with our final thoughts, we got a review and it makes sense that one of the longest reviews that we have ever received (laughs) is read during the longest episode that we have ever recorded. Uh, So this review was actually left on Podchaser, uh, which is uh, a podcast repository and sort of curation of podcasts uh, by uh, Melksy, who gave us five out of five stars. Uh, goes on to say, hi, Lightforce on the Insam. This is Melksy from the VT and RSP Discord. I'm not sure if you guys are elated or disappointed to get a review from someone you already know, but here I am. It's actually kind of strange writing to three for the very first time after listening for months. Sorry, I haven't written anything until now. As usual, thanks for providing your listeners with another great episode. Five stars isn't enough to express my enjoyment. It would definitely be all the stars in the galaxy. Even though there hasn't been much news released, I find it pleasing to listen to the three of you talk about almost anything. And yes, I even like the occasional history slash sports facts that sometimes go through one year and leaves through the other. I'm so excited to hear you guys talk more once the season starts. Can't wait to hear all those mannerly discussions, arguments, peace treaties, and the special rare bleeped out profanity. Oh, now I get it. You're pandering. And, um, <laughs> hey, Lightforce, I haven't had the chance to properly thank you. Sometimes I forget to that forget you pay out of your pocket to produce these kick-ass episodes. Heck, I didn't even know it cost money to produce a podcast. But every time I remember that info and all the hard work you put into editing these episodes, I just think of you in amazement, and I completely respect you for all your efforts to engage Titans fans from all over the world. And the fact that you do this while having a job and taking care of Baby Force, even more respect for you. So really, thank you. And in brackets, he says, I respect Omni and Sam for using their time to participate in these episodes, too. I hope you all have a nice day. Thank you for everything, and I can't wait for the Titans to kick some butt again in Owl 2020 starts. Oh, and, and one last thing before I forget, series of uh, periods, 
ashtray. <laughs> so, so Melty was the one who was asking as to, you know, what is it that I say at the end of every episode? And, you know, phonetically, ashtray kind of sounds like it makes sense. But Melty, first of all, thank you for that wicked review. Like when I ask for reviews, um, it's just to help us understand that, uh, you know, we matter and, and help us improve upon that. But you, I mean, you knocked it out of the park. Like some, sometimes I'm expecting, you know, five out of five stars, decent. Now be it. This this is this is this is crazy. As far as is is funding on out of pocket, I, I try to keep that to myself as much as I can. I know I have shared that from time to time. It's when I feel that it sort of matters to explain sometimes my passion and why I might tilt a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but, but he's not satisfied with my contract. Yeah, but I I I, I create the content regardless. I mean, Sam and Omni, as you said, they put in a lot of time, and we put a lot of time and effort. Um, and, and it's it's reviews like this that at least I know for sure motivate me, and I would imagine equally motivate the two of you. Milky, you're a national treasure. In fact, you're a national treasure three. Ooh. <laughs> is, that, is that the you know new Nick Cage movie? Who, who gets to play Melty? Oh, man. Well, if Nick Cage had his way to be national treasure eight, but, you know. You know, the late, the later it gets, the weirder this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you, Moti, for that that five out of five uh, star review on Podchaser. If you would like to read or leave a review for us here on the podcast, the easiest way to go about that is simply heading to ratethispodcast.com slash ready step home. Um, it'll bring up based on the browser that you're using where you can leave those reviews. You can leave one review. You can leave multiple reviews. One of the things that actually helps when you leave a review and leaving multiple reviews across multiple providers and, and podcast curators is it helps discoverability. It helps more people find us uh, to and hopefully in, enjoy the content that we create. I mean, there are a ton of Vancouver Titans fans out there in this world, uh, and it's this type of uh, review that gets left that helps sort of bring us up to the surface of all of the Overwatch uh, podcasts and pretty much all the game podcasts out there. So rate this podcast.com slash ready set poem, easiest place to go uh, uh, to uh, to share that. Or if you prefer to share us a verbal or vocal review, uh, there are two ways to go about doing that. Voicelink.fm slash ready set poem. You can record uh, an audio message directly in your browser or by calling and leaving a voicemail at uh, country code one area code 604-409-3324. That's 1-604-409-3324. No faxes. So this is a long episode. I am I am running on to here, but I'm going to ask you fine gentlemen, are there any final words of wisdom you want to share with all of our listeners? I'll just say Mamba out. Rest in peace, Kobe. Uh, I'll add to that and say, if you leave us a review, make sure it's under 300 words because that's the limit. <laughs> and for me, thank you for tuning in. As always, uh, we hope to see you at the Vancouver Titans Game and Greet this weekend. Uh, we are looking to line up a guest, legit le- a guest for uh, an upcoming episode, and hopefully we might get some special guests at the Game and Greet. For that, we'll let you know on social and uh, on RSP Discord if uh, we're able to uh, make those things happen. So on behalf of Omni at Omni Strike, Sam at another Sam Chan, myself, Chris at Lightforce, you can find us online at readysetpwn.com. Twitter.com slash ready set pwn, Facebook.com slash ready set pwn, as well as Instagram.com slash ready set pwn. Those magical two words you've been waiting over two hours to hear. Hatchrays.
Oh, 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 oh,